welcome everybody to episode 58 of the Football United vs Soccer City podcast. I would like to sincerely thank all the interviewees, listeners and the soccer public of the Illawarra, Australia, Barcelona, Paris, Richardson and elsewhere around the world who download this podcast. Additionally, I'd like to say thank you to the great people who contribute, comment and reminisce on the social media pages. Ian Morris is our interviewee in episode 58. Born in 1972 and growing up in Windang, Ian was initially keen on playing rugby league like his schoolmates, but his parents decided against this and he started playing soccer for Rurilla Wanderers Junior Soccer Club in 1979. Ian played at Rurilla, where his mother and father were involved on the committee, until the end of the highly successful 1987 season. In addition to playing for Rurilla during this period, Ian additionally played school soccer and a couple of years of representative soccer with Illawarra. From 1988 through to 2013, Ian played senior soccer with distinction in the Illawarra with the University of Wollongong, Wollongong Olympic, Wollongong Wolves, Illawarra Lions, Albion Park, Dapto, Albion Park White Eagles, Kiama, where he was player coach for a season in 2006, and Geringong. And through this time, Ian has had an amazing array of coaches and developed lifelong friendships, which developed him as a player and as a person. Ian's journey was extremely fascinating and an absolute pleasure to record. He is a man who made decisions on where to play based on family, education, vocation, and what was right for himself. It was such an honour to spend time recording with Ian, My appreciation and respect go out to him for driving all the way up from his home on the south coast to record this podcast in Balgowny. And a quick thank you to Ian's mate Fotho for initially setting up this interview for me. I appreciate the continued support people give this podcast. Please enjoy episode 58. Welcome everybody to the Football United vs Soccer City podcast. I'm here in the leafy surrounds of Bowgowney, in particular Judy Masters Oval or Judy Masters Park and I'm here with a very, very special guest in Ian Morris. Ian, welcome and thank you for journeying up to the north here for this interview. No, thank you and um, mate, on behalf of the whole community, soccer community, thank you for all the work that you do with the podcast. It's just fantastic and the Facebook page and other social media stuff. Brilliant. I'm very flattered, uh, but a critical part of this is people like yourself that give up their time and, and uh, in preparation, um, as you know, uh, put in a, a great deal of time to sort of click through the mind and, and newspaper clippings. So um, we'll start at the beginning. Um, you were born in, in 72 um, in, in Windang. Well, yeah, b- born in Port Kembla Hospital. Yep. Yeah, and uh, to... My parents were 10-pound pomps, came to Australia in 1970. Uh, my two older sisters were, were born in England, so I'm, uh, for a long time I was the only Australian in the family. Uh, we, we moved around a little bit. Um, Dad worked in the steelworks and we, we were in the caravan parks there at Windang and then uh, in public housing over in Marilla. Uh, and then my, my grandparents on my mother's side moved to Australia as well and um, they got a house together in Windang. 
uh, beautiful Ocean Street. Yeah. And uh, grew up in Windang. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. And uh, my uh, one of my older sisters, she still lives there. So pretty good place to live. Growing up in Windang, a great part of the world in the Illawarra, what are your first memories of, of football? Yeah, football, as I sort of put in a little bio there for you, it wasn't, well, soccer wasn't on the radar in terms of the locality. Windang was a rugby league stronghold. Uh, but being uh, from an English background, <laughs> soccer football was never far from the TV or the conversation and... Uh, my grandfather was a big Arsenal fan, yep. uh, and so we'd. Uh, my dad was a shift worker, so we didn't always watch soccer together. But I used to watch it with my grandfather those late nights when it was on, um, coming in from England, the old First Division. And and I don't know whether it was because he was an Arsenal fan or because I loved what I was watching with Tottenham. I just became a Spurs fan, <laughs> and uh, I just loved them. And so those rivalries um, from a young age were there, which was great. My dad. Um, my mum's family were from London, so that soccer was a big, football was big for them. And my dad's family were down south in Plymouth and his team, Plymouth Argyle. Um, yeah, he, he loved following them, the Pilgrims, and so we, we'd <laughs> have those conversations, which was great. And do you think um, maybe even subconsciously that sort of drifted um, the push towards you playing soccer rather than rugby league, which was the local sport? Yeah, I was very keen to play rugby league. Um, but my parents were not, <laughs> they did not want me to, to enter into that. And that's a, that's a difficult one because as a young kid, or all of us, we want, to, want that sense of belonging yeah. and you want to be there with your mates, uh, but that just didn't happen. So um, I didn't start playing straight away, but um, in the end it kicked off and they, they gave me a chance to play soccer. So we're talking probably 79 here, you, you joined up with the Rural Wanderers in, uh, yeah, I did. in under sevens. Uh, Tell us the first sort of hurdle that you had to get through to to join the club. Yeah, that's an interesting one because uh, there were boundaries in place uh, back then and uh, alongside school boundaries as well and and Windang fell into Port Kembla's um, drawing area. And so um, we didn't know anyone in the Port Kembla area. My uh, grandfather knew um, Cess Walker who was a big big involvement with Marilla Wanderers Junior Soccer Club and Senior um, Club. And uh, they wanted me to go play for Rilla. So um, I had to get a transfer uh, in my first year before I could play. And I, th- I think it went for three years. After three years, you were allowed to be a Rilla Wanderers player. But um, Paul Kembler had to agree to that back then. So I suppose back in those days, they wouldn't have uh, known what a six-year-old player could do uh, <laughs> who'd never played before. Uh, but I was allowed a transfer. And, and what do you recall of, of that sort of first year of donning the, the Wanderers shirt on and, and being around, uh, you know, organised football soccer. Yeah, that was great. We had um, two sort of, I, suppose, I think they were teenagers at the time, um, David White and Stephen Abrahams and um, Pommy, I think his name what nickname was, and, and they were just great. Uh, we played on the big fields back yep. then. So for a young kid like me who just wanted to exercise, run, <laughs> that was fantastic. brilliant. I just ran all over the place and... There were a couple of us in the team who just loved running, but you know, also being organised back then, they wanted to put you in certain positions, you know, and the yep. fullback stayed on the edge of the 18-yard <laughs> box, and you know, the midfielders stayed in there, certain spots, and the forwards and the wingers, and so you know, you're very, very literal in how you uh, learn the game and play the game. But they were great. They did a lot of fun things with us. It wasn't just soccer related. There was lots of just lots of games, and and great. And um, the parents were great. And as I've said in there, just 
lots of great mates still from those days. Lee Smith, where you know we're still great mates now, and I was groomsman at his wedding, and um, when we were younger, and and we still catch up. I sent him a message to say that uh, I was I was doing this podcast, and that we obviously talk about each other <laughs> uh, because he was just a great mate and one that keeps us connected with all those Rarilla guys. Well, uh, and we're going to delve into it a bit further on, but you know, there's a couple of. Uh, football or soccer relationships that you have ongoing mm. like that that are sort of a cornerstone of, of your career or, or your life in football in the area? Yeah, yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go as far as saying it was a career, but certainly uh, the time that you in, you play and those those bonds that you develop with, with certain people, not with everybody, yep. uh, certainly, and sometimes you develop those with opposition players. <laughs> uh, but those, those mates, and as I said, Lee's one that keeps us connected really well. There's Giuseppe uh, Gigliotti and um, his dad's Emilio, a, yep. big, a big man involved in the Illawarra, um, and Nick Lustos, those guys, David Abella. We, we try and catch up. COVID's sort of hit us with that. We, we used to connect a bit more, uh, but we haven't uh, in 2020, uh, but hopefully this year we'll be, be able to do that a bit more. And But they, those guys are great, um, and we played all our juniors together. Parents became good friends. Um, yeah, it's nice. And Rurilla Wanderers, the junior entity anyway, was that at King Mickey Park? And you no, no, that was there. A, Where did they that's play? That's at Morley Park. So yep. that's just tucked in there behind um, Lake Illawarra High School. And, uh, yeah, it, you know, the ground, I think, still has the slope on it. Um, <laughs> you know, I think there were three or four different fields and they're all different sizes. Um, I don't think teams like to come and play there too much. Uh, the wind blew off the lake. Uh, it wasn't the best of places to, to play, but certainly uh, for opposition, but for home teams, it was great. We loved it. And the strip, uh, was it red and white? Or yeah, was it, was, it was white. I think the yep. white shirts yep. with the red numbers and the, and the red shorts, and I think they were red socks even. Um, so, yeah, that's a good strip. And before we talk a bit more about your, your junior junior career or, or junior time in in soccer uh, talk a bit about your parents and and their involvement at the club because for for a long period there that they did quite a bit for for the local club and community yeah they did and uh, mum was heavily involved on the committee side of things with having more time as I said dad was a shift worker yep. uh, but mum was um, involved in the committee and I think she was president there for a number yep. of years and uh, along with other other um, parents from, from our team as well, they were heavily involved in the committee. Uh, and my dad, I think he was gear steward for a while, so I think we had a big shed in our backyard with all the gear <laughs> in it because they shared the soccer and a bit like here, shared it with the cricket. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we had the, the gear over the summer, which wasn't bad having all that gear in your backyard, although <laughs> it wouldn't, wasn't very fancy, but uh, that was nice. And, um, you know, he did the line marking and then he coached as well. Um, so they were heavily involved, absolutely. And uh, um, I suppose as a side note, um, my dad's passed away, but um, we scattered his ashes at Morley Park. We, you know, oh, wow. we wanted to, to go somewhere special. And so um, it was there, it was the beloved dragon, so um, we chose <laughs> Morley Park. And, and just for, for posterity, uh, what, are your, what are your mum and dad's names? Uh, well, yeah, Ted Morris and Sheila Morris. Yep. Yeah, so mum was was heavily involved in, in junior junior football, uh, I think even at the, the district level. And then she got a bit involved in futsal as well. But they came along and watched me play, along with my grandparents, uh, when they were both alive too, um, into playing seniors and stuff as well. They loved it. Yeah, and I think um, I think there is a story there of, uh, of women in, in particular in junior sports uh, and junior soccer because there's some pioneering women that 
stories uh, like your mums need to be told and little bit by little bit we'll, we'll pick up some stuff in the interviews because um, those women, uh, not just men, uh, sort of formed these clubs and shaped them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and she's still mates with um, Florence Stevenson, I think. Yeah. yeah, you know, so they still converse uh, as well, probably in a more technological way now <laughs> uh, than they used to with writing letters and stuff and phone calls. But, um, yeah, certainly mum had a big impact on, um, on my, I suppose, footballing journey. Um, but my parents gave me full ownership on, on where I wanted to play and stuff, so that was good. And after, um, in under nines and tens, um, David White and Stephen Abrahams... Um, stepped down or moved aside and then Don Hurst took over and um, tell us a bit about those next couple of years with him and and then potentially a year or two after getting into uh, the Illawarra representative team. Yeah Don was a a great man I think he was president of the club maybe at the time and then uh, you know he didn't have a son in the team his his son was older Um, he was involved with that team as well but he came along and um, maybe they saw some potential with our team but he was one of the first guys who then really put a, an emphasis on, on how to play soccer, football. Yeah. Uh, he was from Newcastle, England, and so had um, a strong uh, passion and desire for a certain way to play. And he taught us uh, one of the first things we learned about was triangles in the game, you know, yeah. triangles. He loved triangles um, and that short passing game. But obviously an English background, there was he loved the ball over the top as well for <laughs> myself or Lee to run onto which was great. Um, and so, yeah, I think that was a more structured way of training. But, you know, interesting for the time, he didn't like us to drink water before the training okay. or games. And, you know, not during, it gave you colic, he said. And, you know, so obviously interesting, the science of the, t- the time, maybe <laughs> things have changed. But, um, yeah, he was great and um, took us to another level, which was great. And in those uh, early years, were you playing in a more midfield attacking type position? Well, I think, yeah, we all just sort of played it wherever the ball was, didn't we, yep. back in those days? And, and, you know, if you're fit and energetic, you chased after it. Uh, I think I started off as a midfielder, and Lee, Lee definitely was a striker. And then I think we'd just switch around, him and I, uh, whenever someone got tired, really, was how it worked. And, and so, um, yeah, sort of move... You know, to play soccer, I think everyone wants to score goals, and there's no greater feeling, whether it's a tap-in <laughs> or a you know 30-yard drive. They're, they're just, it's a great feeling, and um, the more you score goals, the more you want to score more of them. So, yeah. And in 83, you were selected in the uh, Illawarra representative team. Um, what was um, the selection process and, and did you think you'd make it and how did it feel when you did make it? Yeah, that's an interesting one. I think it came about because in the under-10s, we were in the second division, I think, and, and we'd won the, the league and, and the cup back then. And so we had a good team. And I think maybe those, those championships, I was, you know, Someone got a tap on the shoulder and said, maybe get your son along to the trials, which I think I did. But, um, yeah, you're nervous, isn't it, as a kid? Well, first of all, you don't really understand too much about what it is. You just (laughs) think, oh, there's a rep team, what does that mean? Um, And you go along and you see all these kids that you've been playing against, you go, okay, you understand why we're here, because these guys are all fantastic. They're quality, so you get, am I I, I good enough to be here? And got selected, fortunately, and um, your dad being a shift worker and... Um, I was only having one car out at Windang. Um, the coach used to come and pick me up for training and, and take me to games and stuff, away games as well, because we just didn't have the capabilities to do that, which was lovely, you know, for a coach to do that. And I think, um, although I don't understand the logistics or the planning um, aside it for representative teams this, these days, but you did have the benefit, I guess, back then of playing in your rep team but going back to your club team, and, and I think that has a lot of positives for 
when you, I guess, get more skill and play with better players, you you become better. But then when you come back, it, it rubs off a little bit for the, the other teammates. Oh, I think so. And... Um yeah, I think that's only for those early years you were allowed to do that in Neil yep. uh, and and that was great because you'd play, you'd train with your mates during the week, you'd also train with the rep team as well. Um, so you're busy, it's four nights a week training yeah. and then you're playing on a Saturday with your mates and then Sunday with the rep team. Um, and I, again, some of those guys in my team probably could have gone along and, and played in that team as well. They were they're certainly good enough. Um, but you know, on that day, those championships, I thought I probably scored a few goals, and and um, someone took a liking to that. Uh, so yeah, you come back and, and you are you're a better player because certainly the skill level for me wasn't there uh, as a young fella. Um, I, I was fast and I could run and, and I could last all game, but that that touch that you need yep. it wasn't there, and that was certainly improved upon when you you make those high levels. And uh, some of the other blokes that you played with in that uh, Illawarra team were the likes of Terence Down, Warren McWhirter, um, Bobby Phillips, Darren Fish. Oh, great guys and, and quality players. And, you know, there's probably names I haven't mentioned there as well, but they were just, yeah, they were quality. And, and just to be part of that, uh, part of that experience of going to training and, and working on things where you know, even in training, that it was going to be quality. You know, um, when you go back to clubland, no matter what level it is, sometimes things can go astray just on the training paddock, just yeah. through lack of <laughs> technique and ability, and that's no one's fault. But when you're at that higher level, if you stuff up, you're letting everyone down because yeah. everyone there really knows how to play, um, and you're being coached to, to play in maybe a different system or new systems. There's so many different ways to play the game, and there isn't one, one set way, and, and that was great. It was a really good learning experience. And towards the end of that season... Um you weren't getting as much game time as you probably hoped, I guess, um, and so your parents withdrew you from the team. So did that leave you, I guess, slightly deflated or you understood, you know, in terms of your own family position, the training and, and the logistics involved that it, it just probably wasn't fair on all concerned? Yeah, I don't think it was made purely on a, on a footballing basis. Yep. It was made purely on how does that fit in with the yeah. family, two older sisters... You know, as I said, a dad is a shift worker, mum who's trying to organise the family to get you to these places with the help of other people. Um, and as I said, it's a, it's a big time commitment as well uh, on everybody in the family, not just, not just um, the player. Um, yeah, obviously disappointed. You'd rather be playing. Um, you'd rather finish the season. But um, it wasn't to be, and that's OK. Um, I think that, that um, set me up uh, in future years to to go with the decisions that are in the best interest of your family yep. uh, first. And so I made that those decisions throughout my whole playing time. Yeah, definitely. And we'll, we'll talk about a couple of them, which are, uh, I guess some people would say, did that really happen? But, but they <laughs> did. Uh, during those years in, in juniors, uh, Rurilla, um, Wanderers, you had some great rivals, rivalries with Coromel, Baugiani, Albion Park, Winuna, and... Um, you must look back on them with fondness in terms of just the league games that you played or gala days where there's just a whole host of different colours and teams that you play against. Yeah, gala days obviously here with the march pass and stuff, that was still a thing when we yeah. were playing and even if you weren't involved in the gala day finals, you, you were here marching and that was, a, that was a big thing for you to come and support the club. And, you know, but we played against blokes like... Um, yeah, Matty Horsley at Bally, yep. you know, and his mum was one of my school teachers as well. <laughs> um, yeah, those guys, uh, Ian Golding with Kristen out at, uh, at Adapto as well. Um, Coromel, Dino D'Amico and, and Michael Sinitza there at the back that you knew you were playing a game against those guys. Uh, Albion Park had some quality players as well. It, yeah, it was fun. And, uh, 
Yeah, even back then, you knew when you looked at the draw and you went, well, did we play one of those teams? You knew you were up for it. And, and we were in and out of first and second division there, up and down, depending on who we had in the team at the time. You know, we had two, two teams in our age group at Marilla and, and they probably made a really good decision, the club and the coaches, where they were two even teams. They weren't yep. A's and B's as such. They were, there was quality in both and, um, and there were also players who were there because they just want to enjoy playing a, a game with their mates and that was in both teams and that was great. And from under-12s uh, onwards, um, your dad took over the, the coaching duties um, and uh, Eric... Uh, yeah, Lu- Lustos, yeah. Lustos took over as manager. So how was that sort of dynamic for you that your dad was... You know, although a shift worker now directly involved. Yeah, it, it was good, but uh, you know, obviously he did what he could, and and, and Nick's dad, uh, Eric, was involved as a manager too when they went along, and and other parents helped out as well. That was the great thing about that team, that as I said, my dad wasn't always available um, through shift work, but um, yeah, everyone helped out and did what they could, and I think again back then it was probably just making sure that we we got eleven players on the field, <laughs> and uh, you know who, who ran the subs, that sort of stuff, who filled out the team sheet. Uh, and who made sure that all of us were getting to the games again? Because not every every player on our team's parents could, um, you know, get them to all the games and stuff. So there was logistical stuff, I think, more than anything. And and my dad, um, he he's just uh, and he was a really quiet guy, and so there wasn't a lot of um, instruction given, <laughs> and there certainly wasn't any shouting from the sideline or anything like that. Uh, he'd give his instructions. You go out and play, and at halftime he'd give some more. And I think that's what I took in when I was coaching as well, that um, you didn't have to yell and scream to get your point across. And that 1987 year in terms of junior soccer was a, was a big year. Can you talk a bit about that year um, in particular? Um, I know it had some success, but, you know, it, for, I guess, the Rurilla Club, it was probably a big year. Yeah, for Rurilla in that year, and I think we'd won maybe a, a, a repercharge knockout or something like that, you know, <laughs> in, in one of those earlier years, and... And then suddenly, um, you know, that, that group of players that we had and we got a few players from other, other areas uh, that come in, like I went to Port Kimbler High School as yeah. well and, and you know, Gavin King, um, who sadly passed away, he, he came along and Rob Griskowski, whose who's dad and my dad used to work together, um, we're at school together and we, we came along. All the other guys went to Lake Illawarra High, a few other guys came in from other, other clubs. I, I don't know why, but it all came together and... And that was a tough competition. I think we, it was only like three or four points separating the whole top four or five teams. Yep. And so to come out on top in that year, that was, that was outstanding. It was a great achievement. Um, yeah, my dad and, and Nick's dad were still involved and uh, we had a young guy called Joe Ruiz. Um, he wasn't much older than us. He came in as assistant coach and, mate, he just flogged us. He, he ran us and ran us and ran us <laughs> and we were so fit um, and we just, yeah, we just had a great year. We won everything that year. And I said, very close competition. So, you know, you win the league, but you had to play those semis, that cup stuff. They were tight games. The knockouts, the gala yeah. days, they weren't easy roads to, no, to win. Definitely. It wasn't as if you were just winning everything. You had to really earn those wins, and that was what made that year so special. And, and then uh, the Champions of Champions... Um, you've even won that so talk a bit about that because yeah. that's a like I said I don't want to I guess disparage Real Wanderers Junior Soccer Club but at the time they weren't um, and probably still now aren't a powerhouse club in terms of numbers or trophies won so it was a, a huge huge thing for the club yeah it's an interesting thing isn't it Marilla Wanderers because there were some great players like Minio Bonatic started at Marilla and and uh, in my first years I played with his brother Travis um, 
you know, Norm Wicker, Paul Gaffney, uh, Andrew Thompson, Richie Vidal and his brother James. Look, there's quality players yeah. have come out of that club, but all different age groups. And to have that sort of all gelling the one year, you know, Tony Sekolowski is another guy who played above us, but he was our age. Like, there was some great players, but not known as a powerhouse, absolutely. And, and that's probably something that I'll go about into later. I didn't understand the, the machinations of Illawarra soccer or yep. the history, and which is great that you're sharing that with us. Um, but at Barilla, we weren't a high-achieving club, and to, to then go into Champions and Champions, and, and I think we won our first few games, like, by a lot. You know, they were big wins, yeah. although I think our first game, we, we were down at half-time, 1-0 or something, we come back and won 7-2, and then we were scoring a lot of goals, and everyone was scoring goals all over the Sharing team. I, I suppose an interesting point I'd like to go back to about that year, too, I still remember as my dad was the coach, and as the team was coming together in the pre-season, he said to me, yeah, how's that left foot of yours? And I said, well, you know, it's ordinary. It's terrible. <laughs> he said, well, there's only one spot left in the team that I can see where you're going to be able to play, and that's out on the left wing. Um, he said, so unless you start learning how to use that left foot, you'll be sitting on the sidelines with me. And so I tell you, that summer, you know, I just practised and practised and practised with that left foot, and that's where I ended up. I was playing left wing. There were, there were quality players all across the park, and I was fortunate to be in that team. Uh, but we were able to score a lot of goals and it wasn't until I think the semi-final that we came up against a team that probably should have won it. They were amazing. They were bigger than us, stronger, faster, uh, more physical, far superior in speed, technique and we just held on and Robbie Graskowski in goals. Our defence was just brilliant and then Gavin King came back from injury and and came off the bench and scored two goals to get us into the final which was amazing. So, um, and good bus trips too, hey, they were great times. <laughs> and, and what about the final, just to, to tie that off, you, you used one, one three nil. Yeah, and, and I don't think, you know, it's a long time ago, but I, my memories of that game were it was at Park Lee, yep. the old Park Lee, so it was, yep. it was, you know, a nice, it, well, it was a facility, I wouldn't say it was a nice facility, <laughs> but it was somewhere where, you know, soccer had a home, finally, which was great, uh, but it was hot, you know, it would have been close to 40 degrees or something wow. up there. But I don't think we ever felt uncomfortable in that game. Um, I, was, I was able to score in that. Uh, I'd also missed an absolute sitter. It went, probably still in the trees. That's how <laughs> high it went. But um, yeah, Gladesville, I think it was somewhat team from there. And, and it was pretty comfortable. And, and I think we'd won the, the Champions of Champions the week before. That was just in the semi. You know, we could beat that team. It didn't matter who was turning up the next week. We knew we were going to win. And... Um, yeah, fortunately for us, we were able to. And, you know, back in those days, too, the hard part was that you had 13 players, you know, two subs. Yeah. And we had a squad of 14, so some, some, you know, one player had to miss out. And that's just terrible. They've changed that for, for juniors, which yep. is fantastic. And even most senior, seniors now, which is brilliant because people just want to play, don't right. they? Yeah, definitely. And, to, you know, to be part of that squad, uh, I think all of us just loved it. And as I said, they were great bus trips. The, the families got together. We had parties afterwards. It was a really close-knit Yeah, that's team. what I was going to say. It must have been a great celebration after, for, you know, there's a core group of you in particular and parents that have been involved to, to see the kids uh, do so well. It must have been a, a sort of great period. Well, yeah, and it's not that, it's not that achievement just for, for us as, as players. It was for the club and, yeah. and those families, but also those committee people who are involved yeah. who go about their business every day to make sure that you guys can get on the field. And, and you don't realise that as a kid, but as, you, as you're older, you, you, know, you think back to, with those memories and you look at the people involved and the commitment they showed that we could get a game. You know, even just logistically organising those buses and you know, 
people having to pay for all that. Yeah, that was it. Was just a great time, and it was great for Rural Wanderers because I think it was the first time we'd won anything. And uh, you know, there were powerhouses across the, the district, and, and we were able to compete. And then we won a state title, which is brilliant. No, it's fantastic, and uh, you know, it's always good to sort of, uh, I guess, uh, get to the top of the tree, and and I guess a sort of romantic story in a sense as well, being the cl- what the club is. Yeah, and just just a wonderful time, really. Uh, for yourself, um, you also, um, I guess, had that sort of transition period there that you probably thought would be quite sequential that you'd go on from Marilla Juniors to Marilla Seniors. Now, not that I want to get into, I guess, the politics or what was behind it, but that didn't come to fruition. Can you speak a bit about that? Yeah, I'm not too sure why why that happened either, and that sort of set me on a path, I suppose, for, um, uh, I suppose questioning loyalty and, and yeah. I suppose then acting later on making sure that integrity was was more important it just it just we were ball boys down there we, yeah. we loved going to the club but yeah King Mickey and watching those guys play you know um, Roberto Hernandez and yeah. um, Bo Music who I got to play with at university too like going there as a ball boy and then I ran the line if you you know I got my license there referee's license and ran the line and just thought we'd just progress but yeah who knows I don't know what happened there either uh, but most of our team didn't go on and play for them but a few did uh, but not many of us and, and talk a bit about that time as a ball boy or even as a linesman probably not so much as a linesman because you're concentrating but yeah. as a ball boy um, sort of who caught your eye in the Rurilla team and and you would have I guess watched a fair few games of the seniors there so yeah uh, as I said what can you recall of that was a great midfielder and defender mainly a midfielder very good and, and he was another guy whose dad and my dad worked together in the steelworks and so he was one to watch out for obviously and then Roberto Hernandez just what a classy player well let's let's yeah. talk a bit about him because what made him good and and I'm hoping in the near future, if, if things go well, I can interview him. I've talked to him and he's agreed. But tell the listener a bit about him because he was a quality player. He was just amazing. Uh, and there was that technique. Yep. And to see, again, coming from my English background where it's a lot of physical running, to see someone with his culture and his background and how he played, the finesse, the beauty of the game, you, yeah, you aspired to play like someone like, like him. You know, he was... He was all about the flair and he loved scoring goals and, <laughs> and why wouldn't you? And, and, you know, you'd celebrate with the team and celebrate the ball boys would be jumping on. It was great. <laughs> it was just such a good time. But there was also that creek that ran beside it, so it wasn't always great to be a ball boy. <laughs> I tell you to go fishing for that ball <laughs> to get that back. Well, uh, I guess for, for people that are outside of the Illawarra, yeah. Rurilla Wanderers are a Spanish club or a yeah. Spanish sort of derived club. So um, I guess, like you said, there were a few English people around yeah. in the area as well so there would have been some great crowds uh, watching Rilla oh, at those times as well were, they were huge crowds weren't they it's only a small little ground yeah, but King when Mickey, they got yeah. a lot of people in there yeah it was great and I tell you as a ball boy if you weren't getting the ball back quick enough it wasn't just the players letting you know those crowd <laughs> they'd give it to you deluxe whether it was the home team or the away team so yeah you're on your toes for that job <laughs> so what what did you do then after 87? Um, I think it was... Yeah, I, got, um, I went back to the rep team. Um, yep. Again, my dad continued coaching at Rilla and, and you know, I think Lee Lee stayed on and played. I think he became a life member there, Lee, at Rilla. He's just a, a real club stalwart there. And, and uh, you know, again, the coach, um, I think it was Jeff Hutchison down at Kiama, and, yep. and we'd played against Kiama as well, and his son was there, and he was taking up the reins of the, the rep team, and... 
said he interested and again my dad was still working and we only had the one car out of Windang and I think we trained in at um, uh, Beaton Park so my mum basically said if you, you can take him to training and take him to games then he can play and the decision was left up to me I could have stayed you know playing with Varilla and yep. being coached by my dad and that would have been pretty easy and I think we even played on the same days it was Sundays you know so it wasn't ideal but my parents said well you want to play at the highest level you can and you've and, and maybe that was why we broke up that team. We'd done everything we could in that that junior. Yep. We'd won everything. Where to next? And so I went and played a, a year with um, the rep team. And I suppose back then the, the Wolves probably took most of the good players out of yep. that team, the youth team. And so it was myself and a few others who were just not quite at that level who were in that team. And, and we, we had a tough year, <laughs> really, <laughs> a really tough year. You know, we, we'd get beaten. You know, 10-0 wasn't a wasn't a stretch that was happening often. You know, we were losing to Sydney Olympic and Marconi and Sydney Croatia. Yep. Yeah, because they were still having quality players in their teams. And, and you know, I think we we lost 3-2 to Blank, Blacktown City. Uh, we celebrated like a win. You know? <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, we had a tough year. It was really tough. But uh, Jeff was a great coach, very passionate, and he really wanted the best for the kids in Illawarra. And concurrently running alongside that in 88, there was... Um, you know, school or high school soccer yeah. and uh, Commonwealth Bank Cup. So talk a bit about that because um, even amongst schools, there's rivalries and, and as you've probably hinted at before, Paul Kembler and Lake Illawarra weren't, were close and sort of you had people, I guess, playing in the Rurella team from both schools. So there was a bit of a friendly or, or rivalry there. Yeah, definitely. And uh, again, those those uh, games were tough. And, and we generally, the draw was made, it was set up in a certain way that we often meet in the finals and stuff. And um, you know, like I was blessed to, to go to school at Port Kimball High School with just some outstanding players. Um, you know, I think I put in there that we had Robbie Graskowski and Stephen Sklachlewski, yeah. uh, Tommy Milankovsky. Like, where, where does a school get three goalkeepers at that <laughs> level? That All sort of state league, <laughs> national league level goalkeepers. Uh, you know, so it was tough to even be get, get a goalkeeper's position. Stephen and I played up front together. I think we lost in 88. Uh, Harry Satin was, was um, not only my maths teacher, he was our school coach and obviously a well-known man around the yeah, Illawarra area. And... Um, he coached us, and I think we lost to, to Lake Illawarra that year in 88. But, yeah, the next year when uh, another teacher of mine, Brendan Fotheringham, who you've, yeah. you've uh, interviewed on the podcast, he, uh, he took over coaching, and, again, the, the stars aligned. We had a good year, and we, we've, we met Lake in the, the final in 89, so that was good fun too. Uh, 89's an interesting one as well um, because it probably, um, you know, you I could probably, when we go through this, describe you as sort of journeyman-like, that yeah. you couldn't have sort of picked where you would have ended up yeah. in, in terms of clubs. And 89 was probably, uh, I guess, the start of that. You were potentially, at the start of that year, playing rep football again at a junior level because yeah. I think at that year you were turning 17. Yeah, yeah, I hadn't... But I it didn't 16. end up that way, did it? No, I was still 16 and, and uh, heading into year 12 and so yep. young, young for my year and, you know, obviously... My maturity level wasn't that great either, and I uh, wasn't the most studious of kids. And so, um, soccer, football, cricket, surf club—you name it—it it, it, surfing it'd get in the way of my studies. And um, parents, you know, back then as well, not everyone went to year twelve. Yep. Um, my two older sisters finished in year ten and went off into the workforce. 
my parents said if you go into year 11 and 12, you better make have a crack at yeah, it. You better do a good job of this, otherwise it's off to the workforce for you. And in the 80s, it wasn't there weren't too many jobs around either. So I hung about and probably didn't put that much effort into my schooling. And so year 12 come along and parents said, you know, you knuckle down. And I think they got me some tutors, not because I needed it, but because I needed to get focused. And, yep. you know, they're, they're paying some money for me to, to basically do my homework. And, <laughs> and, uh, and I'm not putting in, so... I just said, well, look, I can't train. I can't commit as much. And my parents said, well, you're making this decision. You wanted to play soccer. You're going to have to go yeah. tell the coach. So my mum takes me down to the coach's house and we have a meeting. I said, I just can't commit to training. Do you mind? Will I still be able to play? And he said, well, it's a rep level. Yeah. And he said, you know, you're going to need to either train or, or not play. And I, I made a decision not to play. And uh, it was a tough decision. And, and I felt bad letting him and the team down. Uh, but in the end... You know, your parents have decided that you can go to year 12. Um, as I said, not everyone went to year 12 then. So you had to make a crack of it. And so I did. And, and I for, was going to forego playing soccer for that year. Yep. Um, and I think Harry had had some conversations with us as, as, as school kids about the level of soccer that you wanted to play and whether you wanted to be a professional or semi-professional, which is, you know, yep. going to work and get paid to play or be an amateur. And I think back then it was just, well, I'm probably just happy to play. And if someone's yep. going to pay me well geez that's interesting who knows about that sort of stuff <laughs> so there, I don't think I was ever committed to a high level yep. of playing anyway so I went well I better knuckle down and, and I was speaking to Fotho in class and Brendan and said I'm out I'm not going to play soccer and he said well come and play for uni yeah um you don't have to train um I'll come pick you up I know you can't get the training even if you even if you're able to um to games all that sort of stuff and um so um I had to plead my case with to my parents <laughs> and um, they relented, um, not straight away. You know, it took a, a little bit of toing and froing there, uh, but they finally said I could go and play um, with the university. Yeah, well, I, I guess a lot of people um, would know of of your time there, but they wouldn't have known, I guess, the mechanics of of what and how it had transpired that you got there. So um, it's wonderful that I guess um, I guess from a personal perspective that. The father, um, you know, maybe he thought, geez, I know this kid can play as well, but still was thinking, well, studying, that's great, but he should still be able to play some, some soccer. So um, it's good that someone thinks on that level of, of a student. Yeah, and, and, you know, I was very fortunate to have great teachers, as I said, uh, you know, through primary school and high school, and, and then to have, you know, Harry Satin as your maths teacher and, and, and Brendan as your science teacher in mm-hmm. year 11 and 12, you know, it's a nice combination. Um, and for though, when you get to university, you understand why he was saying you, you can come along and and um, and just play. You don't have to train because that's the sort of nature of the club. It's an yeah. amateur club. Uh, there's wonderful people there um, from all different walks of life. Then you've got the uni student brigade as well. Yeah. And there was a few young kids like myself there, and my mate Lee came along as well. Brendan had take us both there to training until one of us got a license and we were able to drive. So. Yeah, it was a big commitment from Brendan to do that for one of his students and, you know, forever in his debt for that sort of stuff. And what a year it was for, for the University of Wollongong Soccer Club because um, they ended up second in the league and then um, we'll talk a bit about the grand final that you've won against yeah. a very strong uh, Coromel team. Oh, they were outstanding. So, yeah. But first, you, you thought you'd turn up and play and then thought you'd be in youth grade considering your age, but yeah. your first game there, you're in reserve grade. Yeah, yeah, and, and that was an interesting one because I, I, was, I was able to play. I think we played Coromel. I think it was Noddy Alston who I was that matched up against. You know, he was on the field. And um, 
and I, and I was running around all over the place and I had no idea what was going on or who I was kicking, you know. And um, he was out there, which was it was, it was an honour to be on the pitch with him. Uh, and it must have done OK because, um, yeah, the next game I'm in first grade. I, 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 whether it's true or not, my understanding is someone went fishing and um, <laughs> <laughs> there was a spot opened up and I got to play, which was, which was nice. And, and talk a bit about uh, Brian Midgley. Um, people would know him... Uh... Uh, throughout the area in terms of his playing and coaching, but talk a bit about um, what Brian was about as a coach when when you had him. Yeah, well, again, uh, it's not until you get to, I suppose, build a stronger... The time is the factor, isn't it? Yep. Building a relationship. And I remember talking to Brian when I first got there. I'm a young kid, 16 years old, and and all I heard about Brian was he was hard as nails, yeah. uh, and he was. and um, And he demanded... You know, a lot of um, work out of all the players, but he also had a um, an eye to try something different. Yep. And that creativity can sometimes get get lost at other clubs because it's results driven, and perhaps uni isn't always results driven. But um, he was able to experiment, tinker, and you know, bring in a couple of young guys in Ian Morris and Anthony Timolero, uh, and Anthony was already there and playing first grade, and, and he put me in, and yeah, we had a great year. Yeah, talk a bit about the year because, um, uh, again, not disparaging uni, uh, but up until that point, they hadn't, um, I guess, competed to potentially then get into the Premier League either. And this was just a huge year for them. So, what did you, how do you remember that league season? Well, I remember it being that it it rained a lot. That year in 89 was really tough, and some, some grounds were open and able to play. And and we couldn't train. Well, lots of teams couldn't train that year, but yep. we were able to at uni because they had tennis courts. Yep. So a lot of our stuff was little five-a-side games with the whole club. So that really bonded. But again, I didn't know about the history of the club. I didn't know that yeah. they weren't achievers. I just knew of them as a club in the Illawarra. You know, people say, you know, later on, oh, you didn't get paid. Well, I didn't know you could get paid really <laughs> in this league. So it was. I was just playing for fun and. That team was just made up of some great people. As I said, Bo Music was in it. Brian Midgley, um, we played a 4-3-3, I think. Yep. And what was the sort of, where was roughly everyone playing? Yeah, we had two Brians at the back in Brian Rowley and um, Brian O'Doherty. They were yep. the, the, uh, the fullbacks, I suppose. You had Gary Day and Greg Lauded in the middle and great players. Bruno Ladic in goals, just yeah, a really quality keeper. goalkeeper. Um Midfield was um, Ralph Schmidt and um, Bo Music, as I said, Anthony Timolero. And then the three up front, Midgley and uh, Morris and Fotheringham, and it was great. It was built on strong defence. Um, but that season, you know, it took momentum to get going. And um, once we got a, a hang of things and how to play together, and, you know, Brian was pretty smart. He, he, he plonked himself in the centre there and got Father and I buzzing around him. And a lot of the times, you know, I really liked the four-three-three system for yep. me. I think it really suited the way I wanted to play. You know, balls in behind defence, lots of crosses to Brian or someone coming in far post and follow. Yeah, or myself on the opposite side. I just really loved that system and it was great. And Danny McGoldrick was playing too. You know, it was great to see him get a win as a coach with the Winuna last year. Premier yeah. League, just an outstanding man. And we just had a quality team. Like, yeah, it was quality, but. Um, yeah, and the youth grade were pretty good then too. You know, Lee was in that team and, and there were some good young guys. And Anthony's brother, um, Dave Timolero, was in. There's a whole lot of other guys that played as well. Just quality and a great season, a lot of fun. Uh, and, you know, winning is fun, isn't it? Uh, and they looked after me. As I said, I was a 16 when I first got there, turned 17. And, 
by the end of the year come second in the league and, and won a grand final. Yeah, well, let's talk about the grand <laughs> final because there's a, an iconic picture, I guess, for people of the Illawarra at the time that um, uh, there was a goal scored and then there's a picture there of probably about six or seven uni guys and I guess the crowd in the background, it's at Memorial, that's Coronel's yeah. home ground, which is... Well, I think it might have been a Bulls paddock, Oh, actually. it might have been Bulls? Yeah, yeah I, I think it was Bulls paddock, but I could be wrong as well. Yeah. But I just remember it being... Um, what do you remember of the game and, and sort of how it sort of sort of came about or transpired? Well, to be honest, uh, I'm 17, uh, and I think the week before, Brian had set up, or we'd actually met before the, the preliminary, or a couple of weeks before, I think we'd met as a team and gone up to then play against Coromel a couple of weeks earlier yep. up at South Coast United's group. Yeah, you did. Yeah. And um, we had this preparation and all this and and we got smashed, absolutely hammered. And uh, 4-0, Foley got smashed by the keeper. I think we all got smashed. I know, is it um, Andrew Lancaster and I think his brother maybe? They, yeah. were, they were just solid at the back and I remember just being pumped and um, walking off going, we got no chance, you know, and... We went back the, the next week and, and trained again and um, had a run at uh, Oak Flats and we beat them to get into the final. And, and that grand final, I've got to tell you, as a young kid, I didn't think we were a chance at all. Yep. I just thought, hopefully this game, 90 minutes goes really quick and, uh, <laughs> and we'll be out of there and we'll, we'll get home. And uh, it turned out totally differently. It was just a wonderful match and... Again, tough, but uh, Brian had done his homework and changed things around a little bit. Uh, Danny had started up front because Brendan was out injured. Our defence was solid, and he was prepared. Uh, even I've brought along for you. I've, I've even got his match notes for wow. all of us before the game, and so he was prepared. And and uh, we worked really hard, and we snuck a goal in a goalmouth scramble that I, I got home, you know, snuck home. And um, I think Bo Music was lying all over their keeper. You know, it was just a a mess <laughs> and uh, we went 1-0 and then there was the, the penalty yep. that was given um, for the free kick that was kicked and then the whistle blew or something and Bruno's moved a few times and it was just bizarre and they finally scored that was one all and, and that was pretty much um, end end stuff it was a good game I think Danny McGoldrick got crossed to him and he'd hit the post and you know it was really close then Foddo comes on and um, I don't know how he came on. He still had a busted shoulder, yeah. but he came on as a sub and he took the corner, hit Gary Day's chin, it goes in. We win 2-1. Well, I think that's the, the picture that, yeah. that was then published. I, we and were then, nuts. And then, <laughs> you know, you could just see the elation that was about to erupt in the plays and the fans had gone up and it probably yeah. just sort of uh, crystallises a moment as, as photos do. Yeah, and I think there's one of Anthony and I just embracing as well like two young kids he's 16 I'm 17 going how good's this you know <laughs> grand final we won and, and it was great because the university club it was great for them and it was great for Peter Bannister who yeah. was just a, an outstanding man yeah well he was sort of I guess the, the father figure at the club yeah. for, for, for such a long period and, and amongst a lot of other people that worked hard to keep that club alive mm. but what about Peter your interactions with him yeah again a a gentleman and um, really embraced um, me into the club straight away and my family, as I said, and just uh, really another quietly spoken man, but a worker and a doer, and he was always busy doing something, um, and he he just made you feel welcome to the club, and uh, he loved 
he loved the, the uni, um, I think he loved the fact that he was helping out uni students as well, you know, um, it's an interesting stage in your life and yeah. Bano was able to bring a bit of balance perhaps to, um, to all of our lives through that time and, um, but he just showed you what a committed person he was to that club and with everything he did and so the win again wasn't just for us as players, it was, yeah. it was for Peter Bannister. And for yourself, um, before we talk about your, your next year with uni when, when they made the st- step up to Premier League, um, how did you, during that year, like you said about the Lancaster brothers and getting smashed, how did you go with the physicality of the, of the game? Because I, I guess it would have taken some time to develop. You didn't get time in youth grade. You were reserve grade then first. Yeah, grade. yeah. And so I think maybe someone like Sarge might have been playing for Portside or something like that. So there's, there's, there's quality in that first division as well. Yeah. And, but I think for me, I, I was naive. Um, I didn't really have a great understanding of, of, um, of match play. Yep. So I did, just did a lot of running. And uh, I think I was pretty quick, and so I was able to avoid a lot of defenders. I, I, I tried to anyway. Uh, that was the aim, just keep moving. <laughs> and so while some people, you know, if the ball wasn't near them, would stand around, I'd just run. I'd be, I, I didn't want to get kicked, and I just kept doing a lot of running. But it was physical. Um, but it was f- more physical late in the late years, stepping up into Premier League and State yeah. League, National League. That was when the physicality really... He really rung home that um, yeah I'm I'm 75 kilos ringing wet and um, I need to do something here because I'm getting smashed. But that year not so much. And I think I had the protection around me like Ralph Schmidt. You didn't mess with Ralph. Yep. You didn't mess with Brian Midgley. Um, you know Bay Music. Anthony Timolero, Even as a 16 year old, didn't mess with Anthony. So we had and Greg Loudit, Yeah, another defender. We, you weren't messing with any of those guys. So I had good protection. And Bruno, if he wasn't protecting you physically, it was with his mouth. So yeah, uh, he no. was yelling out, <laughs> looking after you. He was very um, I guess combative. <laughs> Physically and, and, and vocally. Yeah. Uh, for yourself, just as an aside, how did you go in the HSC that year? Uh, probably, uh, it was an interesting one. I still remember back in that day, you waited for the HSC to yep. come to you and it was mailed and and uh, I was, Robbie Graskowski and I and a few others, we were in a, like a futsal team that were going to go and play in the national championships and we were <laughs> training that day and I remember going, I'm just going to train them. And my mum going, no, no, you're going to wait for your HSC. And I was like, mum, I know I'm going to get into uni, it's all good, you know. But, I just had that confidence that I yep. had great teachers and I, and I was a guy at school and in my HSC who just did enough and I did enough to get into university, uh, <laughs> which was great and I didn't even open my HSC. My mum did because um, I said I'm okay with whatever's in there and um, she couldn't wait. She opened it up and <laughs> yeah, I, I did well enough to get into university, which was great and, that's what I, and I wanted to become a teacher and I wanted to be uh, like the teachers who were, taught me and particularly people like Fodo and, and uh, Harry. And uh, other, you know, Matt Halsey's mum. I was really blessed to have some great teachers, and I just wanted to be like them. Uh, the next year in 1990, um, university did did go up, and, yeah. and and it was Brian still the coach. Yeah, yeah, I think and Brian Brian coached us, and uh, so now you're in the the IPL, um, and, and your first taste of it. Um, although a tough year for the club, you must have learnt a, a lot from that year. Yeah, that was an interesting one because. Um, First of all, we had to you know, fix up the ground and all that yep. sort of stuff. And I still remember build, digging the holes for the, the posts to go in for that fence and in the in the summer. And Lee, Lee Smith and I are there on the hole digger and that machine, it's spinning around and we're meant to hold <laughs> on to it and it flew us off. And in the end, Lee and I were good for cooking sausages for the for the barbie and that was about it in, in terms of manual labour. But, um, you know, Bano did all that work and there was a lot of work put into to be in the Premier League. Yep. And again, we didn't pay players. Uh, club, you know, I think the year before, 
it used to be a joke that you got paid Mars bars and the, the year before <laughs> that Anthony and I had won Rookie of the Year, Equal Rookie of the Year, and they gave us a box of Mars bars so as a <laughs> sign-on fee, you know, uh, 48 Mars bars, go and eat those. And um, uh, that uni, that year, that was tough. Um, I learned a lot about um, yourself and it wasn't always good things about, you know, maybe the effort you were putting in, yep. um, the fact that, when you're not winning, people don't always turn up to training. Yep. You know, I was my first year of uni. I was learning about not just about studying, but everything else that goes on at uni. Yep. You know, being um, when we go on orientation week with Anthony's older brother David, and I just <laughs> when are the police turning up? Is, is this allowed? <laughs> uh, and no mobile phones in those days, and uh, so I was learning that, and and I probably wasn't as committed as I was either. Um, and I was in and out of first grade, and, and rightly so, Brian. He couldn't rely on me to be the goal scorer that I was and, and the defence were tough they were well organised units they trained yeah. sometimes three times a week you know those blokes are out there earning money to play and you knew you were playing and they, they kicked me off the paddock well and truly you know um, I learned a lot that year and is there a sort of game in particular that you thought geez I've, that was really tough I just remember you know we had a, a close, some close games a couple of draws a couple of wins but we had some big losses as well and yeah. I still remember it was Lee and I with the, up front, and, and I think we were playing maybe Fernhill. I think Ronnie Vandervoort scored a hat-trick or something. He yep. was just... And I got to play with him in Olympic too, and he was... It, it was just... They were on fire. And I just remember, I think we applauded one of his goals, and after the game, Bruno's come off, and he's just ripped into to Lee and I, and we're just going, but that was a great goal. He goes, yeah, but <laughs> it's the opposition. Now, what are you, what are you doing <laughs> clapping the opposition? He smashes it up, up against the wall. He was so angry, and you know, because... He had pride in what he was. Yeah. He wanted to keep the ball out of the net, and our job was to score the goals. And it just, yeah. So you know, in and out of that that first grade team, and I, yeah, it was just really tough. It was a tough year. Well, I guess uh, it was sort of chalk and cheese to the year before that you'd seen uh, a season so so filled with joy and and highs and elation, and then the next year it was really, I guess, what sport or, or soccer is all about. Yeah, but it was a great club, and you know, people like Dave Timolero, they'd do the half-time announcements, and they'd give a scores from around the grounds that had no relation to anything that was happening. <laughs> you know, you know, Cringilla are up four over, you know, whoever it is, you know, Olympic four-two <laughs> at half-time. People are going, wow, what's going on there? And they'd give overseas results, which again were just made up. It was just uni was a fun club, and it didn't matter whether you're winning or losing, <laughs> you were still having a good time. But um, on the pitch, it was tough. And uh, before we move on, uh, Brian, did you see a bit of a change in him, or did he continue with his approach of always trying things and then and putting in the best uh, no, that no. he could? Yeah, Brian, again, he was... Uh, again, you don't always have the same team when you've got those losing, you try yep. different things. Again, it's university, so not everyone's there all the time. There's students going back home or people are at work, whatever. You know, there's always those things. And So Brian perhaps didn't always have his, the full squad of players either, but he yep. was a great coach and... You know, I learned so much off him, and I learned, probably learned just to back yourself and, and to that to be a bit harder as well. Um, he wasn't going to put up with me being a bit of a wuss, saying they're kicking me <laughs> again. Um, but um, he was a great coach. Really, really enjoyed playing a couple of years under Brian Mitchell. And in '91, it was a tough one because initially you had signed with University and follow and follow, yeah. and follow uh, you know a, a teacher, but then a friend. Um, was then yeah. taking over the coaching reins back in the first division. So was it a tough one there where you initially signed but then wanted to move to Olympic? And, and how did that move come about? Yeah, that's it's a, an interesting, strange sort of thing because 
I really only ever played. You talked about journeyman before. I just played where coaches asked me to go, really. Yeah. And um, Brendan had signed on. I think my dad had even signed on. He'd been was going to be the manager for the first grade team and stuff. And uh, and we loved the club. And, and Brendan was coaching. Great. It was back in first division, and I knew who that was going to be. Uh, but um, yeah, phone call out of the blue from Richard Evans. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't know Richard. Had no idea. Yeah. I think he moved back from Queensland. He brought uh, to Olympic like Paul Steiger with him and stuff. It's a great man and. Um, well, kid back then we were, and uh, he just rang up and said, you interested to come to Olympic? And I said, well, I've already signed. I'm, I think I even played a Bampton Cup match or so, yep. whatever, a Commonwealth Leagues match or something like that, yep. Commonwealth Leagues, beforehand. And um, when I said, no, oh, I'm at university, and he just sort of said, well, you know, reports are that you can play at the Premier League level. I said, well, you mustn't have been watching <laughs> me play last year. <laughs> uh, but he said, you want to come along? And, and so I went and spoke to, to Brendan about it. Um, uh, and again, tough decision, isn't it, to make for a guy that's helped you out so much? But he sort of said, "Well, you want to play the highest level you can," and, and he backed that. And so I ended up talking to Peter Bannister as well. And, and Bano, again, a man of integrity, he was he was pretty upset how it all went yeah, down because, and, and rightly so, yeah, I guess. Yeah, you know, he said the the, the president of Wollongong Olympic should have been speaking to yeah. him about it uh, first before they approached me. And uh, again, I don't know the machinations yeah. of how it all works. Someone just and so. But then you take ownership of that and you go, well, geez, I've let Bano down. And um, so, again, I'm Denard and didn't, I didn't really, uh, you know, it was a tough decision. But in the end, I, I left and went, went along to Wollongong Olympic um, with the blessing of Bano and, and uh, Fodo, but with a gentleman's agreement that if I wanted to go back to uni, because I loved the place, that I'd be able to go back. And, and what were your, I guess, first thoughts of uh, Richard and Wollongong Olympic? And I guess for the listener, again, that's outside of the Illawarra, they're, they're a Greek club. And so um, what were your first thoughts of, of both those? Yeah, I didn't really have too much to do. I was playing first grade mostly, so I didn't have a lot to do with the bit of a rivalry that had been going on yeah. with our youth grade at uni and, and then our, my youth grade at Wollongong Olympic because the Olympics youth grade were, were pretty good. Yeah. And uh, full of lots of quality players, and I don't really know too much about that. And a couple of my mates are going, "What are you going to Olympic for? You know, it's all those guys there, blah blah blah." And I'm <laughs> like, "Really? I don't know anything about this." And so I went along, and um, Richard was great. He was a very technical coach, and um, again, I learned some 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 great things off of him of, of um, gameplay and, and things that I hadn't learned before. Um, so that was that was good. And there were great players there. Geez, the caliber of player that was in that team and. Yeah, you know, very fortunate to, and again, I was just a young guy, uh, and there were some very experienced players in, in that team, and just blessed to be part of it, really. And, and I really loved playing for Wollongong Olympic too. What a wonderful club! And where were they playing at? at yeah, that just year? that might have been might be the second year at Brandon Park. Maybe. Yeah, the outside ground. Yeah, yeah, and that was oh, what a great ground that was, yeah. and um, great committee like um, Spiro Spiro and. Um, Paul Mahanidis and you know even Nick Bexham who sort of looks after the ground there on his mower. They're just wonderful people. They looked after you so much, and um, yeah, it was just a really wonderful club to play for. And as I said, some really experienced players. John Fleming was still playing <laughs> for him. You know, Chris Agno was there. Dave Spencer, Ian Lee, Theo Kalamanides, yeah. Peter Cotter, Cottermoonies was there. Um, Warren Baker and Mark Smith was up front, a guy who I'd played against. Uh, in, he was playing for Shoalhaven, I think, when I was yeah. at the university, and he was he was a very good striker in and around the box. You know, very very good. And I suppose I was brought along probably to to give him a bit of service more than anything as well. And um, it didn't eventuate. You know, Mark got injured, and and um, 
yeah, we didn't quite play as many games we would have liked to together, I don't think. And so were you in that year a bit of a mix or predominantly first grade that year? No, just first grade, yeah. Yep. I played first grade the whole year. Um, and oh, I can't remember too much. I thought we started off okay. I, I, there was mid-season. It wasn't, I don't think we were travelling too well. Again, yep. injuries and all sorts of things. And, um, and in the end, you know, you turn up to training one day and there's no... There's no Richard Evans, and he's been sacked. <laughs> how did you take that? Because I guess for you, your uh, norm at the time was junior soccer. You, you see your coach see the season through, and then you, two years at university, uh, Brian yep. takes the reins, good or bad. Yeah, and I just remember, what, and you know, there's a bit of whisp- a few whispers around or whatever. This is a bit very strange. What's going on here? And then we have this meeting where all all of us are crammed into a um, into a dressing shed. There's all the players and the committee and stuff, and they just said this. I don't even know who took over being coach. I can't remember whether it was Rick Fox's, <laughs> the interim coach from youth grade. I honestly can't remember. And um, I just remember them asking, you know, and because our youth grade were great, they were a great team, full of quality, yeah. and um, they were winning it. I think they won the league. They won the year before. They were outstanding. Yeah, they, they won the. I think they won the Nokia. like the the grand final. They won, they won everything. Just a great team and. They asked us who wanted to play, what div- you know, what grade you wanted to play. And I'm going, this is a bit bizarre. And everyone here should be wanting to play first grade. And it didn't work out that way. And, um, yeah, we just we, we limped through the rest of the season, I think. It was uh, an interesting one. You know, um, yeah, it, was a, it was a bizarre thing. I, I, I hadn't seen that before. I didn't understand it. And I just, <laughs> yeah, I just thought the, the coach would see out the year, but that didn't, that didn't happen. And, and towards the end of that 91 season, you received a, a phone call. Who was that from? Yeah. yeah, well, that was an interesting one. David Ratcliffe, yeah, rings me up from the Wolves and <laughs> and, um, and um, said, did you want to come and have a trial? So, yeah, I did. I, I, I flirted with it a yep. few times because it was, they were playing in winter Then there was a crossover. Like, it was all yeah. a bit, I don't know, that, that time I, I'd done a few, I'd gone to a few trials. I think Daryl Glover might have been coaching and I sort of, made a decision not to stay and I think Fonny either then or later was coaching there too and I just remember going well you know this is first grade first grade coach giving me a call from the Wolves this is NSL and I'm still again though this is how naive you are I still remember going to Warren Baker and Peter Cotter you know like is this this where I should be going is this something you should be doing and they go well we can't tell you what to do but you know you might have a few regrets if you don't go and I went right yeah so you have to again again you're you know, because you sign a contract to play as a player, and even though you're not yeah. getting paid very much, you're contracted to them. You know, you have to ask the club, can you go and yeah. and trial? And so I did, and and went along and, and trialed um, at that. And uh, I think I had a few training, quite a few training sessions. It was just before the the season was going to kick off, I think. And then I suffered a pretty nasty injury. So and and that injury was that at a Wolves yeah. training session? Yeah, it was at a training session. Yeah, yeah. So I went up for a header and. Um, yeah, got an elbow to the head, you know, purely accidental. These Inocuous, things happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, yeah, I fractured my cheekbone. Uh, sort of, it's the zygomatic arch. It sort of joins your, your jaw to your eye yep. socket and stuff. It sits there and yeah, clean snapped in half. So um, yeah, I was out for a long time. So missed a bit of football for Olympic and um, didn't didn't make the NSL team. <laughs> and and what what were you thinking there? Was it more of a case of I just need to convalesce and get this better and focus on my my uni work? Yeah, so what happened there was um, I, they were meant to wire it back together. Yep. And um, when the surgeon went in, that's that was the plan. And I remember waking up. It was funny. I woke up and um, 
because you've had surgery on your face, they don't tell you this, you're tied, your head's tied to the bed, okay. so you can't move. And I remember waking up freaking out, my mate Lee was there again, he was there when I woke up and he fixed me up, he's just been at work and he's filthy dirty, but he's making sure I'm okay. <laughs> and um, the doc comes in and goes, oh yeah, we, you wouldn't have to wire it up because it was a clean break, you're sweet, he said, but um, the problem is you're going to have to have like, I think it was two or three months out of wow. action. So I um, spoke to David Ratcliffe and he just said, well, when you better come back. And so, um, yeah, I waited out my months to go back, and, and I did. And uh, I went back to training and turned up, and, and David said, well, you know, it's, the season's well and truly <laughs> on its way here. Um, you need to get out. And they were playing on the, the train on the main ground. Yep. So I've, okay, no worries, I'll trot on out to youth grade. And, and Chris James was coaching. Follow might have even been his assistant out there. And um, said, I'm here to train. He goes, what are you here for? I said, well, the coach has sent me. Dave Ratcliffe sent me. He goes, I don't have a spot for you. So I already yeah. So I trot back into David, and uh, David said, "Well, off you go then." <laughs> so, so that was a little embarrassing. There's a couple of walks of shame there. It's yeah. a long way out to um, those very fields <laughs> at Brandon Park. So yeah, I went from being, you know, potentially, you know, I wouldn't have been a first grade player at yeah, the time, fringe, a bit, fringe. fringe player, yeah. um, which you think would get you a bit of a start in youth grade, but it, it didn't happen. So I went and went surfing. <laughs> so you just finished the year off and just didn't do any like you didn't go back to olympic in 91 you just finished that year i could yeah I, we we didn't make the semis or anything the youth grade did i think and i probably could have played those youth grade grand finals because i was young enough but um those finals games but uh yeah they didn't choose me so <laughs> i went along as a great supporter and looked after their trophies when they won them and uh the boys went off and had their good times it was it was a great time though look great great teams there conspiro and jason wenig adam gray kane weeks <laughs> you know great Great players. Uh, Phil Hay was in there, good mate of mine, yeah. And the next two years, you, you stayed at Wollongong Olympic in 92 and 93, and, and you had Peter Willis as, as the coach, and, and there were some great rivalries there between a couple of clubs with the likes of Cringilla in particular that, that um, yeah. you know, were very strong at the time as well. Yeah, it, absolutely. And you're playing against some quality, again, quality players who'd, who'd you know, been through the Wolves system as well yeah. or played state league at different teams. Uh, and then, obviously, good levels of Premier League players there too. You know, your figgies were, yeah, were strong, they were red, strong, red hot bull eyes. Uh, and then, and then Cringilla and I don't even think we were. We took a while to get going that night, that first yeah. season with Peter. I think Ronnie came over, Ronnie Vandervoort. Yeah, he's still catching reserve. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we had a, a reasonable squad there. I wouldn't say it was fantastic against some of those other teams, but we were committed, and you know. When you're playing for a, a, such a passionate club like Olympic, yeah. you, when you when you step on that field, you know you you're putting everything you can in for that for that club. Um, so yeah, we and then I suppose you develop those rivalries when you start winning games. And yeah, Conno was strong. Yeah, there was some really really hard games. Lysarts were good then, but yeah, those big, those early games against people like, like clubs like Fitri, Yeah, you're playing against guys who've won at all many times. <laughs> they were tough, and they taught you how to play. And Peter Willis, he's still coaching now in the IPL, oh. so he, he, people don't have longevity based on luck or coincidence. He's a, he's a very, very good coach and, and has a lot of knowledge. Um, at that point in time, uh, how did you take being coached by him? Oh, he, and he, tell the listener a bit about him. He is an outstanding man, but a, a brilliant coach, meticulous. So yeah. he, you know, you, you'd... You'd train pretty, and, he, and you trained for a long time with Peter. Yeah. And he may have changed now, but back then, training sessions were, you know, you'd be two and a half hours in, no dramas, on a, on a Tuesday, and your fitness work was 
Tuesdays it was hard and there'd be a bit on Thursdays, but then he would have a set play for every part of the field. Um, yep. You knew what your positions were. We practice and practice and practice, and he was meticulous and thorough. And before the game, he would go through each of our roles yep. and how they in- connected with each other on the field. Just a brilliant, a brilliant man in terms of that, and a professional. Uh, and and you know, probably each each time a new coach came into my life, they were they were probably a little bit better than the one before and, and Peter was just outstanding and, and one that I tried to catch up with and play again with later because he was brilliant. And that 93 season in particular was uh, a very, very good year for Wollongong Olympic? Yeah, it's a, it's a, obviously we made that grand final and that's, it's, a, it's a controversial anyway, but um, it was, again, it didn't start out that great and I still remember like um, we weren't a chance of even making the semis there at one stage and so my wife and I and our families and We'd organised our engagement party yep. the night before the grand final, not because of, you know we thought we were going to make the grand. Well, we just didn't think we were going to make the grand yeah. final. We had no chance, and so that was all organised. And you know all the players and the club were going to come anyway. And then uh, we went on this run, and uh, yeah, we, we we scraped into and made it into the semis, and uh, and just kept going and made it to the grand final. There were some tough games along the way. I think we snuck home against yeah, maybe Bulleye, you know. One nil win, maybe. Uh, yeah, I, I, the memory, you know, is, is a bit yeah, tough a to bring it all back. Yeah. But um, certainly that '93 grand final probably wasn't the most um, entertaining of games. Like you got that Cringilla side. You know, we were because we're we're talking here at, at, at Balls Paddock, and I guess Cringilla oh. had been the, I guess the team of '91 and, and and '92 to a certain extent, and carried on in '93. Oh, outstanding! You know, Zifko, Rostovsky at the yep. back with Jeff or Portisco. Um, you know, you had cradging goals. Yeah. You know, big GL up front with Krishna as well, and uh, midfield was you know Dushko and ah, oh, there was Just a, a cavalcade of oh, quality mate, players. Oh, they were all over the park. Like they were brilliant. And even on their bench, you look over and you go, "Hang on a second, like they're going to bring on some quality here." So, for us going into that grand final, obviously we wanted to win, but um, we knew who we were up against, and they were a, they were a quality team and. We just had to defend, 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 and um, there wasn't a lot of room for attack. I don't believe, and you know, it wasn't. I wouldn't say it was a great grand final in terms yep. of my performance either. Um, but I think it, I think it went, it went to extra time. It was nil all. Yep. Like it wasn't. I don't even think there was a lot of shots. I think I missed a maybe a, a bit of a header in the first half. That might have been one of our chances. Yep. Went over the bar. Like there wasn't a lot happening there. Um, and I think Neasy and I were playing up front. John Danzo was in our team. Yeah. yeah, I think. Yeah, we had some good guys. Anthony Timolero, George Anthony. Mickey Atsis was in goals. Yeah, Dino was playing. Paul McGarry. Like, there was some quality again in our team. But uh, I just wasn't, wasn't at their level, I don't believe. And, uh, but we, we, almost, we almost got there in the end. Yeah, well, what are your <laughs> recollections of that um, sort of uh, last, I guess, or extra time anyway? Yeah, well, they'd scored. I think and Krishna, Stevie Krishna had scored and, um, you know, it wasn't goal and goal, so we were still a chance to, to snatch a draw and head yeah. into penalties. And I think the ball went out, out to the left to Georgie Antonu and he's crossed it and, you know, I wasn't renowned for my heading, but I got a header and uh, it went in. And, uh, you know, I got all excited. I thought I'd, I'd scored and I'm, I'm having a look at Cradge and, and Jeff giving them a what for and, you know, <laughs> it sucked in. Boys, we're back in the game and, you know, we're probably going to penalties, having to run around, going stupid. And and then you look around, there's all these people running on the field and they weren't our supporters. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, in the end, um, Mario would, uh, you know, 
great man that he, that he was too, and rest in peace, Mario, just a, a great referee, and he'd, blow, he'd blown the whistle before I headed the ball. So, um, yeah. uh, What is that? Because it's very rare in, um, in any sport that, that something like that happens where this first, oh, I guess for a period of time, maybe 10, 20 seconds, you are on top of the world, oh. you've brought your team back into the game, yeah. you're going, you're still alive in this grand final, and the next minute you're seeing... Cringilla fans run onto the field. Was it just a surreal feeling? Yeah, it was. Um, it was bizarre. It was really <laughs> bizarre because because you're trying to pick. You like you've just said. You're trying to pull all that together, and you when you're on the field, um, you're celebrating. You, then you're suddenly isolated because you're going, "What's happening here?" And you're looking around at all your teammates and trying to figure out what's going on, and looking at their bench and our bench. Our bench is like heads down. They're running on. Uh, it was just really bizarre. And then I think, you know, we probably were questioning Mario yep. what was going on. But, you know, true to his word, uh, I think there was no injury time and extra time and, and that was how it was. So he blew the whistle and we didn't, we didn't get the, uh, the draw. And, you know, look, it had to go to penalties anyway, so who knows yeah. what would happen there. And I certainly wasn't a great penalty taker, so um, anything could have happened. But uh, we didn't get that chance. Which is, <laughs> so, yeah. and, what, and what was it like? What was uh, Peter like in, in the sheds afterwards and, and what was it like that night? You know, I can't remember too much. I, I think there would have been a lot of, you know, expletives and a yep. lot of questioning what was going on. Um, you know, you've got to listen to... Well, first of all, you've got to see them get presented with their yep. trophies and stuff and, and then you've got to listen to them sing their songs and all that sort of <laughs> stuff. So you want to get out there as quickly as you can. Uh, and I think, you know, I don't know, we probably went back to the Hellenic Club yep. and... Uh, we kicked on and, uh, yeah, it was just one of those nights and I don't know if we saw the Cringilla guys there. We might have, I, I can't remember, but I, I know I saw Mario that night. He was out <laughs> and, uh, and we had a drink together. You know? oh, I bought him a drink and uh, we sat down and uh, he, he explained himself to me again. It was like, that was great. And uh, it was and shook hands. There was never any dramas there. He, he was referring to the letter of the law and um, I know there's a lot of people probably upset by it and, you know, there's certainly disappointment from me, but in the end, yeah, you yeah. go, okay. And it's nice to, you know, even though we didn't win, it's, it's okay to be recalled for a, a controversial moment in a grand final. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for yourself, um, going back to, that was 93, back to, to 92, you, you did play um, some senior rep football for the Illawarra. So, yeah, I think so. I'd, so I'd that been, must have been a bit of a highlight as well. Yeah, I'd been in the youth grade team before. I yep. think when I was at uni, I think they might have been picking that rep team, the youth grade. And you played games against Newcastle and Canberra and the yep. likes. And So I think I got picked a few times in there. Um, you know, you, you're playing with strikers like Donnie Martinovsky and you know, Graham Fletcher, those sorts of guys. Yeah. They're quality. Um, so, again, you're just happy to be part of that team. I think Higgsy and Jeff are in those teams, maybe. There were some quality figgy guys who were in those teams. They're very good players. And um, it's interesting because you're playing against them week in, week out, and then suddenly you're, you're teammates with them. <laughs> um, but it was fun. It was good. It was nice to be selected and it was nice to go and play those games. Um, yeah, they were a good bunch of guys. Uh, I think Eric Thompson might have coached us for, for one of those yeah, two. Yeah, possibility yeah, that good year. Man. He's another great guy, you know. After that um, 93 season, which, you know, I guess was a success in the latter half of yeah. that run Olympic went on, you then got another phone call from, from David Ratcliffe and um, he asked you to trial again. So, yeah. so what happened? Yeah, well, obviously, I think, I'd, I think I'd been the leading goal scorer or something in the league that year yeah. and, you know, we'd made the grand final, obviously, and he said, come along, and, and so I did and went and, went and trained and... Um, 
again, that's a real funny one because no one, no one guides you in any of these decisions. There's yep. no, I'm not saying you need to play managers, but just people who are there to look after not just your interests, but the interests of the whole of the Illawarra. You know, yep. you, everyone should be aspiring to play for the Wolves. That's, yeah. you, know, you want to play at the highest level you can. So every club should be committed to that. And I know, again, the history of how the game <laughs> developed in the Illawarra doesn't always work that way, but that's where you should be going. So you sign contracts, and back then you signed contracts for a year yep. and they finished when you played but they didn't finish you were then on a retained players list and all yeah. that sort of stuff so I still remember going well how does this work I'm a, I'm a retained player at Olympic but can I go play for the Wolves and and I still remember having to sign a contract for the Wolves it had no monetary figure on there at all it was just yep. blank and basically I was forced to sign it. well you know forced is a strong word but you didn't sign in play. Yep. So, um, and I wasn't, you know, I was probably, I was aiming for first grade, but I, if I didn't sign by then, I wasn't allowed to play on the Friday, I think, for the youth grade team yep. as an overage player. So I just signed and and went on my merry way and, and played for youth grade and, and tried to make it in first grade. And and you did get a, a couple of appearances off the off the bench in, in first grade. Yeah. So do you recall that sort of debut that, that you came off the bench? Yeah, so before, it, it took a while to happen. I think I'd been chosen a few times at different things and and David, he was you know, a hard man, really hard man and hard So coach. a bit harder than Brian? Oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, step up. And, um, and, and that was an interesting thing too because your training sessions were like Mondays is Mondays and Wednesdays yep. is Wednesdays, Fridays. And you sort of, once you'd been there a while, you knew what that looked like. But as a new person coming in yep. you were just trying to follow what everyone was doing because you didn't have to explain you just you just knew what you were doing yep. well going and knew you didn't and so I was yelled at many times and been in the wrong spot I can tell you but good people around you know Matt Matt Halsey was there and you know got Charlie Yankos there it's great <laughs> great guys helping you out and Richie Lloyd and those guys are there uh, looking after you and um, so I was about fifth choice striker so I, yep. wasn't, I was I knew my spot and I just had to wait bide my time and, and hopefully do well in the youth team as an overage player and get a run. But I um, I remember one of the training sessions and, and the step up there too was you do a skill or like a drill or whatever, but yep. between those drills when David was setting up, you as a team would be sprinting. You'd be doing all these different types of sprints and I remember just taking off in one of those and that sprint and I just melt my Achilles, just tugged that little bit and it was pain and I couldn't move. So I was out for a long time playing yep. Um and uh, Patrick Brown, the physio there, you know, we were working hard to get back in. So then I finally got back in and, um, yeah, I was able to get selected and come off the bench, you know, a couple of times, uh, which was nice. And I think it was against, I'm going to say it was like, I think my first time was against Heidelberg. Yep. Um, but it was interesting because, yeah. And I was said, that home or away? I was at home. Yep. And uh, David, uh, he picked a team and he didn't eat more than what you needed, especially for a home game. And I remember you sat there and you just hoped that you were going to be called out as one of the... One of, the, one of the bench players because if he didn't you had to you had to leave the sheds and, um, <laughs> was, and again, that, was that just his way yeah, of yeah, yep. team and you know, okay so you, you you learn the first time that you're in there not to sit at the far end of those Brianna Park sheds because they're a long it's a long walk past <laughs> everyone else and so that happened a few times and then my name I got called out and um, I think I got you know 20 minutes or so off the yep. bench and buzzing around just running around trying to, you know, hopefully score a goal. And I had a couple of shots on target, I think, that game. Yeah. And we, we won, which was nice. And, um, yeah, it was good. And then it was back to, I think it was probably back to, you know, playing over overage player. And then I played against, I think it was Brisbane. Maybe Brisbane yeah. as well. I, play, I got to play against as well, come off the bench there. And 
at home again. Yeah, at home again, yeah, yeah, yeah fortunate. Um, and that was that was pretty good. I, and um, I think I come on, and we were losing two one. Finished two walls. I think Matt Horsley crossed the goal from maybe Dale White scored or something like that. And um, yeah, I had no involvement in that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I got to play again. I think Alan Hunter maybe was playing. I just remember coming on and he. Again, I didn't stop running because he said if I stopped running, he was going to kill me. And uh, <laughs> he was a menacing-looking man, so <laughs> I didn't stop running. And, um, yeah, that, that were my two two games off the bench because I got injured later and didn't didn't make a return. And for yourself, uh, even though you're in and out with, <laughs> with injuries there, um, what about youth team football? Uh, how did oh, you it's find, good standard. Yeah, it was how did you find standard. that in terms of if you had to compare that to the IPL? Oh, I... <laughs> It probably wasn't as it, a different. It's a different level again because they're yep. younger yep. and less physical and stuff as well. And we didn't train first. First team players trained with first team, yep. and a couple of youth grade players had come up and trained with first grade as well. But on the whole, I was an overage player, so I was training with first grade the whole time. And it wasn't until game day where you turn up and don a shirt, and the coach yep. say, well, "This is what we're doing." So there's that disconnect yep. from that as well. But um, yeah, I scored a few goals, and again, the goalkeeper generally. Not for us, though. I think we had Tomo in goals. But a lot of times it'd be an overage goalkeeper playing in yep. youth grade two who was National League. <laughs> and so you were, you know, it's tough to score goals. But, yeah, found the net a few times and yeah, scored a few that I was pretty happy with. Um, and, you know, David just said, keep scoring goals and we'll, I'll keep trying to give you a spot. Um, it just didn't eventuate. So how did you find that experience? Because at least, I guess, you know, when you're talking to Peter Cotter and Warren Baker saying, oh, should I do this, should I not? You must have been pretty pleased that you you gave it a go and, you know, you did get a couple of games off the bench and you bided your time, you worked hard and did what you could do. Yeah, and, yeah, you can always say that you gave your best and and that's all it is. And as I said before, everyone... Yeah, everyone should be. Everyone in your law should be trying to get players to play at the highest level well, that they can, whether that's at a junior level or at a senior level. And they shouldn't be trying to stockpile players for themselves or anything <laughs> like that to have success in Illawarra, because we want success um, as a pathway for our kids and, and players. But then to be able to play at the highest level, you can. There's there's a lot of guys like myself who did that, who had a had a nudge. Some got more game time, some yeah. got less. Some got none, you know, but we had a crack and, and that's how it should be. You should always be striving to play for that level. And I don't know if we always got the local guys ever got treated, you know, that well either sometimes by the Wolks and that, that was that was tough to handle. But, um, you know, but it was great to go and experience playing alongside those players. You know, Mick O'Shea was there yeah. as well, these other guys, he's our quality. And, and uh, but David Ratcliffe to be coached by someone of, you know, of that calibre. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I was really stoked with that. Probably didn't understand it at the time. You know, I still turn. I remember I turned up to train and I'd have, you know, I'd be in board shorts and stuff coming from the beach with my surfboard in the car and, and Dave would just give it to me deluxe. You know, you're a footballer or, you're, you know, what are you doing here? And, <laughs> and you don't understand that. You're only young and, and you just, you know, I just wanted to have as much fun as I could. And Yeah, I guess at the time you're, you're 21. Yeah, roughly. about that. Yeah. And I'm, yeah, and, and maybe if I did take it a bit more seriously, it might have been better. But, you know, I got a lot of injuries as well and, and uh, but you know if you had a crack that's great and if you're not good enough you're not good enough. But you know at the time he he wanted he was good he wanted to help me out and he, he wanted me and um, to keep playing at the highest level I could and that's where I suppose I finally got in touch with me and I, yeah, I headed over it, to because um, that in '94 I guess there's Lawrence. a crossover in that sort of summer league yep. of NSL. So then in '94 you then um, like David Ratcliffe still I guess 
saw you in the pitch to a certain yeah. extent as a fringe player and said, well, play state league rather than IPL. Yeah, and, and, and whether that was um, because he wanted me to be that high level, which I believe, or whether him and Fonny, it, it works up and out. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. And, but, um, you know, for a state league club to be interested in you as well is great. And uh, so, yeah, I spoke to David because I'd, I'd stuffed my knee up, not a soccer-related injury, yeah. and, it, and it took me out of the game for a long time. Um, stopped me playing NSL and then I missed a lot of that season in 94 with yep. the Lions. I didn't start straight away because my knee just wasn't right. I'd been operated on. So it took a while, but, um, yeah, David wanted me to play at that level. So um, Fonny, uh, another great coach, he, yeah. he asked me to come along and, you know, that's where you get into that toing and froing of contracts and, <laughs> and all that sort of stuff and, and that's... It's difficult, and you don't understand it as a young person. You have no idea what's going on. Because uh, technically, you were still uh, a, a yeah retained a, player, a Wollongong, Wollongong Olympic, Olympic player. player. Even though I think I'd signed a two-year contract with the Wolves, it's bizarre. <laughs> uh, but you're a retained player, and so I think uh, what funny you know, again, it's there's money involved, and I th- what had happened was um, Luby Panofsky, the secretary at the time yep. over there, great man as well. Um, they wanted me to come and play, and they were prepared to um, I think pay like a thousand bucks or something to yep. Olympic on loan and then I'd still be Olympics player Fine. and then whatever happened I'd you know if I played out the year great um, and I think back in those days loan loan you know price had come off purchasing price I don't know it was bizarre <laughs> but um, you know Olympic weren't too keen on, on me to be a loan player I suppose um, it was a, whether it was a state league club whether it was a Greek club or the Macedonian club yep. you know coming to it, oh, I don't know, but um, they wanted to sell me and they wanted four thousand dollars for me. I think, cool. um, I think Paul Wade, the Australian captain at the time, was worth seven, and uh, <laughs> I don't believe I was anywhere <laughs> near a caliber <laughs> of a player he was. So four thousand dollars was just ludicrous. I, you know, and you wouldn't have earned that sort of money as a player. Yeah, you know? definitely. You know, I think we were getting paid for wins, but back then we weren't getting paid each week, which I think you know sort of happens now. Um, we were just getting paid per win, so. I wouldn't have earned four thousand dollars, and yeah, it was a lot of money. But um, they paid it, and I went over there as a uh, a player for Wollongong Illawarra Lions, maybe. Yeah, I think it was Illawarra Lions <laughs> at the time. And yeah. and so, what do you remember about that season? Like I said, you came in a bit later because of the injury that you suffered uh, off yeah. the field. Yeah, and uh, Fonny again, he's a great coach, and I and I'd played with Fonny at uh, uni. He'd come back and had a year in the Premier League as well. Some games. Nineteen ninety, yeah. So I knew Glenn. I think again, I I think he tried to get me to the Wolves youth team at some stage as well, um, and I hadn't gone. But he he got me to Illawarra Lions, and Luby was was a big part of that. He made me feel comfortable, and you know, there's a fair bit of trepidation, you know, being sold and and all that sort of stuff, which I really didn't want to do. Um, but Luby was, was really considerate about that. And Fonny was good. I, I just... Um, I might have been still at... I might have finished... You know, I think I'd finished my studies at uni, but I hadn't had a full-time job. And, and Fonny was a school teacher as well, and he was able to get me some casual work here and there. So that was nice. Um, and so he helped me out. And then he was a great coach. Um, we did a lot of um, short, sharp stuff. A lot of 3v3 yep. with goalkeepers. And they were tough. You're like, you all screw in started training like you knew you were in it for a battle Paul Robards was there uh, Chris Minol, um Lupcho Dimov um, there were some quality players there and then other guys that he'd brought down from Sydney that he coached up there as well and, and they started slowly and again we slowly warmed to it and 
by the end of it, I think we, we came second and um, yeah. made the grand final as well. Um, yeah, another great year with, uh, you know, and Fonny's a crack-up. You know, he's, he's a guy who, um, you know, you don't take yourself too seriously, but you take what you do seriously. Yep. And um, he was that sort of guy. And when you, when you were training and playing, it was it was business. And when, when you wasn't, it was a good time. And, uh, yeah, great years, a couple of year and a bit, I suppose at uh, Illawarra Lions slash Wollongong United. And, and where, what ground were they playing at at that point in time? Oh, I think we played out of um, South Coast Garacious ground. Okay. Yeah, we trained at Lake Heights. Yeah. Was that Barina Park or something? Yeah. Like that. Yeah, yeah, we trained there. Well, that had a bit of a slope like yeah, Morley. Yeah, it did. Yeah, I was Morley at home. Did as well. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we trained there, and that was great uh, in terms of, you know, really tough training and then playing up at a good, good ground. And then we got... Luke Chodomovsky came in, um, the man from Varda, and uh, he was quality as well. We had a really good team, and Greg Woodhouse was in goals. I think he, he played for Australia, Greg. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was a step up from um, even the first division before the, the was that Super League. It was the a step year, up from, yeah. the, from the Premier League. And, and what about, you know, because you've, I guess, uh, the different leagues and you've, you've tasted a bit of them, uh, how, how was it between, I guess, IPL... State League and then and then NSL. Yeah, obviously the NSL is just it's just so quick compared yep. to other leagues, and that's probably what happens when other people go and play at other levels. They even higher than that. They just it just increases in pace, yep. and your decision making has, has to, to be, be quick. Has to be quick, um, and your technique, which let me down, has to and your touch has to be very very yep. good, um, and your understanding of how to play the game has to be good too. And and again. I wasn't quite there yet still, but being in State League, yeah. And you got to play, State League, you got to play on some absolutely magnificent grounds. Yeah. And in other times, they were the terrible. Oh, they were just hopeless. Um, <laughs> but, again, it, it was a step up, and it was great. Um, and Fonny coached us really well, and um, he primed us for that grand final. And, and we played really well in that grand final. Probably, I didn't, um, but the team as a whole. Yeah, yeah I, we probably deserved to win that, but... The striker let him down that day. In <laughs> <laughs> '95, though, sort of different kettle of fish that you were ended up, uh, I guess, being on the outer, um, and and yeah, no real particular reason. No, just, um, just football. Yeah, the two the two top strikers from Macarthur Rams who beaten us the year before, uh, Fonny had signed them. He coached yep. them before too, and he got them down, and that was that was fine. There was you know three three strikers really then. Um, vying for the two spots and, and I had first crack which was fine and, and yep. I think I was playing up front with Mark Moffat and then I was it was in and out for a little bit and um, sort of mid probably just before mid-season maybe um, just yeah next thing you know you're out yep. and um, I don't know why um, no idea <laughs> <laughs> maybe Glenn can shed some light on that but uh, yeah I was gone you know I think they they might have you know Sean Babbage came in later and he'd been playing it NSL level, so you know I understand that, and you know getting moving me on. I was going to say getting rid of me. That's not great words, is it? But moving me on probably freed up some money and um, helped them out there. Uh, And again, I was, um, you know, I'd I'd started working, um, teaching uh, up in Campbelltown. So you're driving up there every day, then you're training three times a week, whatever, and then you're going back to Campbell, you know, or Sydney or further yeah, yeah. and stuff. So, you know, you, maybe your energy levels aren't there and maybe my performance wasn't up to standard and that's okay. Um, so, yeah, it was time to go. Um, and But Luby was really good about that, you know, good guy. But um, it's always funny when you leave, leave a club, but uh, 
like that. I'd never experienced it before, <laughs> um, being told uh, you're out and um, you know, hand back all your training gear, <laughs> track suits and all that sort of stuff. It's a bit bizarre, but um, yeah, yeah no, no bad word about Fonny in terms of coaching. He was amazing, um, really, and did a lot for me and did a lot for me personally. He was able to get me through, you know, with that casual work and stuff, you know. Being out of uni, just out of uni, I'm, you know, times weren't easy, so um, he helped me out there. Do you think um, you were pretty lucky in your life and you have been in the sense that, you know, some of the teachers, you talked about Matty Horsley's mum, yeah. you talk about Father Harry yeah. Satin, and even Glenn, you know, he's in the teaching yeah. fraternity with you, that, yeah. you know, there wasn't just that sort of, look, I can teach you with football, but yeah. I'm also giving you some help in your life. Yeah, teaching's a relationships-based yeah. game, isn't it? It's uh, about creating connections, and, and they did that for me, and, and for helping people out, you know. Um, yeah, not just in football, but in life. And, and Fonny did that for me with, with teaching and uh, other people did it when I was at school or even later on. Um, I've always had great mentors, um, whether it be in soccer or whether it be in, in the workforce and very, very fortunate. And, um, you know, that's... And I, I got into coaching later. When you're able to soak all that up and yeah. and, and see that, and it's not just the technical side of things, you're learning about life, aren't you? And... Um, and coaching is bringing is coaching's leadership, and it's bringing all those different pieces of the puzzle together, um, and get it to hum on a on a Saturday <laughs> afternoon or Sunday, whenever Friday night, whenever it is, and and hopefully to be better than the opposition. And you got someone out, you know, another team trying to do the do exact the opposite. <laughs> you went back to Olympic in '95 or midway through. Yeah, was that a wasn't awkward at all? It was just they took you back. It and was a, yeah. Well, I think Luby. Libby was good. He said, I think he said, you can go to Coniston or Cringilla and it'll be free. You know, <laughs> over you go. It's up to you, you know. Or, you, you know, you go back to Olympic, you're going to have to pay some money. And, yep. and so, fortunately for me, that Olympic paid the money. Otherwise, I know, I'd probably be a Coniston or a Cringilla player or something like that. But they, <laughs> they did. And it wasn't awkward. Um, you know, I'd been there with most of those guys anyway. Good mate of mine, Justin Roberts, I'd got him to sign an Olympic when I'd left, yeah. you know, because I didn't want him to be without a striker. Like, I was pretty keen to go back there always so there was yeah. never that point and and not my parents still went and watched olympic <laughs> as well <laughs> like they didn't leave the club so it wasn't awkward and it was um you know um i was really grateful that they did that for me to come back and play again under peter yeah um, yeah it's just an honor to play under. so it was still peter in 95 yeah yeah great coach just an awesome coach and um we had a good team i think we made the semis yep um and again but i think it was he was trying to figure out how to fit us all in there was myself and Manny Mavridis and, yeah. you know, John Danzo and then Justin, I think, trying to fit us all in. And a pretty yeah. stacked midfield in, oh, Julio. you know, Yeaman, Miranda, Peel, oh, Anthony. Yeah, yeah, you some know. quality there. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and, um, you know, and I didn't always start then either too, you know. It was, you know, it was tough. It was tough to get a spot in that team. And, and for yourself, uh, from what I know of you um, prior to this interview and even now, mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like it would phase you to to play in Zeds or reserve grade and, and do the team thing and the club thing? Wherever you get picked, yeah. Yep. <laughs> that's exa- exactly how it is. You know, you always want to play first grade. That's, that's, you know, when they ask that question, Olympic, where you want to play? I want to play first grade. So you're not happy when the coach doesn't pick you no. in first grade. So you're kicking stones, but you're not kicking stones around your teammates. You're trying to do everything you can to make sure that yeah. Justin or John scores or whatever it is and that, you know, if you have to play reserve grade, you do. But, but often then you didn't play reserve grade, you were a fresh reserve. So yeah. How did you take the fresh reserve aspect? Um, yeah, not, 
not as enjoyable. Yeah. I'd rather go out and play. I was always, can I, and even yeah. that was in state league. I was like, mm, can I play reserve grade? Like, oh, I just wanted to play. Yeah. Um, so you yeah, didn't take too kindly to be in a fresh reserve. <laughs> NSL's a bit different. You're just yeah, sitting yeah. there in awe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, other, you know, so fresh reserve's not fun, but it does give you that energy. Like, you know, someone like me comes on and they're pretty fast and there's 25 minutes to go or something. It's I a bit get of it. I get it. Yeah. So um, I didn't mind that uh, too much, but I just wanted to play. And and '96, um, uh, John Fleming was coach at Olympic, and and you yeah. sort of started the year. But uh, do you think it was a combination of factors? Uh, like you said, you'd been playing state league, you'd been yeah. teaching in Campbelltown, and yeah. and then I guess life itself was sort of you know the grind of life maybe got to you a bit. Yeah, I probably. Um, yeah, I don't know what happened with Peter because as I said, we'd made the semis. Yeah. So I think we'd had a good run, and we'd. He'd won a league championship. He'd won a grand, yeah, made a grand final, think, yeah. made two grand finals. It's like okay, but they must have thought that John was going to take us to the next level, you know. Yep. So, um, and he was a great coach as well. Um, really um, strong on on the style of football we wanted to play, and yep. and it was built around strong defence. But then you know trying to get us to attack as much as we could, and he was brilliant, really good. Again, had good set plays, and and a lot of those set plays, you know, John maybe remember it differently, but I've always felt as though I was the uh, the decoy runner on those set plays, <laughs> you know, and, and I'm going to drag those defenders. And I remember once saying to him one day, look, John, you know, I'm just really tired of being the decoy runner. Can we set up a free kick where I'm involved, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no worries. So we set it all up. And at training, we'd practice and practice. And then it came to game day, and, we're, and it was on. It was in the right part of the field. Yep, we're on. We're all caught it. I've made the run. The ball's gone somewhere else. We've scored. <laughs> And, and he's just standing there with a smile on his face, you know, because <laughs> everyone else was in on it, <laughs> and not, not me. You. <laughs> but he was great, a really good coach, but it just, yeah, the grind, it just, you know, yeah. When, you, when, I, when I played, I wanted to be, not the best, but I wanted to put as, be the best yep. I could. And the same with teaching. When I, yeah. when I got into the workforce, I wanted to be the best I could. And um, to do that, you need to put a lot of effort in, and yep. that takes up a lot of time. And um, then there's leadership responsibilities that you get asked to do and stuff in the yep. workforce, which you enjoy as well. And that takes away from the amount of time that you can give to playing. And, you know, I was, I'd had enough of being kicked and yeah. you know, John had stuck up for me in the papers and gone to the district and, you know, wanted me to... Because um, you were probably on that sort of transition of the laws of the game changing in that sort of mid-90s there through to the early 2000s where that sort of element of the game was taken out by defenders. Yeah, and and probably, yeah, I probably just missed it because I was just getting smashed all the time, which is, that's, you're allowed to. Yeah. You know, know, you got a free chance and then maybe later you'd get a yellow card, maybe, and then later on, if it was a really bad one, you might get a red card. (laughs) Like, so, and and so many injuries, I was always injured. And I just said to John, I said, I've had enough. And and it wasn't great, I'm I look back and I go, geez, quitting mid-season's not great, but yep. I just said, I can't, I can't do it anymore. You're being honest. I just said, I can't, bring, yep. I can't get the, tra- I just don't want to be at training anymore, and I don't really feel like playing. And so, um, the club, and we came to agreement that I just, I stood down. Yeah. And uh, I think I stepped right away, I didn't go watch any games or anything like yep. that, I just needed a rest, and um, yeah, and again, my communication probably wasn't great, because they thought I was coming back in 97, and yeah. I just... I just didn't want to play at that level anymore. Train. I'd, again, I wanted to focus on work, family. I didn't have kids then, but I certainly had a, a, a wife who, you know, I'd miss her playing netball, grand finals and things like that, so I was keen to go and watch that. And Yeah, I um, yeah, I just stopped playing for a bit. So in 97, like you said, there was that sort of, uh, 
I guess, miscommunication between both parties. They thought you were coming back after, you know, missing yeah. a, a part of 96 and you just thought, no, I want this to continue. I want to sort of live my life, yeah. uh, support my wife in her sporting pursuits and, mm. and then work as well. And then, um, I guess, based on that initial sort of agreement when you first came to the club, you thought that, you know, there wouldn't be a sort of, I guess, bounty put on your head and that you could yeah. go back and you wanted to go back to university and yeah. sort of just play a bit of football but not at the IPL level. No, that's correct. And, and, and that was it when I first left from an amateur club to yeah. a side that paid. Um, there was always, you know, and again, you sign, I don't even know what's in those contracts. You just sign them because yeah. you, if you don't sign them, you can't play. So you sign them and then um, you're, you're a retained player. You're not... You're not signing a contract for the next year, and, and I hadn't signed a contract for the next year, so yeah. I wasn't going back to play for them. Uh, I just wanted to go and have a kick around with, with Fotho and yeah. uh, a few of the other guys. Danny McGoldrick was coaching now. Yeah. Yeah, maybe train once a week, maybe not. If the coach you know, picked me, I'd play first grade, and that was it. And Olympic, um, you know, fair enough. They'd, there'd been money thrown around at different times, I understand that, yeah. and uh, they wanted me to be their player. And, you know, I suppose that for them in their eyes... and. I was a reasonable striker that was, you know, given given it away, yeah. um, and not playing for them. So they didn't want me to go there, and yeah, stop me from playing. And and you did try a, a couple of different avenues, or, or well, the uh, club you, you, you did, yeah, you they, did as well. I think they because uh, at one stage, an Olympic said, well, you know, we don't want you to get injured because I was I'd had a lot of injuries. They said, well, if you get injured, we want insurance, and so. I think uni were happy to pay. It was like a hundred bucks or something. They insured we're going to insure my legs. It was bizarre. <laughs> it was really bizarre. And then, especially for just suburban football. Oh, it's a bit, It's local park football, isn't it? <laughs> you know. And so that happened. And then, um, then they said no to that as well. And then I just said, well, okay, I'll, you know, because you could go on loan and yeah. you'd still be an Olympics player, and that would have been fine. But there would have been no loan fee because yeah. uni don't pay, and they didn't want to do that. Um, and in the end, I had to sit out uh, 97 uh, to become an amateur because you had to sit out of the game, oh, yeah. I think, a year to yep. uh, get your amateur status back. Um, so I tried, I remember I went to the uh, Illawarra Soccer Association and spoke to them and met with them about it. And I was told, well, I was a nobody until I went to Olympic. And I, they probably didn't like my answer. I said, well, I'm still a nobody. You know, <laughs> so um, that's why I'm going to play for uni. Um, and no, I don't know, they just, they weren't part of it. And Soccer New South Wales, they had different rules as well. So yeah. they, they were changing, they were keeping up with FIFA. It was like the Bosman ruling or something back then, and yeah. where you could then, once you'd, your contract was up, you could go somewhere else. But because ISA, IFA had it in their constitution, it was still legal. To and do. so they could make me sit out, so I did. And then I had to apply to become an amateur. The, the following year. Yeah. And do you think, um, uh, as it went on, you just thought, I'm definitely having the year off, whereas maybe um, Olympic thought, well, he loves playing football, he, he, he'll probably come back yeah, after yeah, a while correct. anyway. Yeah, that's exactly so right. So really, you sort of polar opposites, I guess. Yeah, I just, I just think they thought that I'd come back and play. Um, and... I don't know, if you're into your star signs, I'm a Taurus, I'm a bull, so I'm pretty stubborn. So, um, 
yeah, I wasn't going back. And, and, and that was a shame because we'd had such great memories. I think I had 100 games or something up yep. for them as well. You know, so I got that. I got a little trophy for that, or I've got, I've got the plaque anyway. I got rid of all the trophies, but um, yeah, I kept that. And look, so I, I loved that club, and I said if I was yeah. ever going to be playing Premier League, I'd come and play for Olympic, and was more than happy to do so. And I, I let them down, and and I let John down at the time too. You know, so that's not that's not a good thing. But um, also, as I said earlier on, I was going to make decisions in my best interest, and in the end, that's how any sport works. You yeah. do it. You play it for self interest. Yeah, you, know, you you come first, then the team comes, and then the club comes after that when yeah. like, you're a player. So, yeah, and I just chose to sit it out. I took up golf and didn't. I, I'm very ordinary, so I hit a golf in the mornings. But you I, got to watch your wife play her sports. So. Yeah, and then okay, you know, I'd still head over to uni and sit and watch them play first grade. You know, watch my mate Fotho and, and Danny coach, and that was great. Um, and I would have loved to have been playing, but that was also, you know. It was an interesting, you know, you're sticking your thumb up at people, aren't you, and saying, well, here I am, I'm sitting in the crowd <laughs> when I could be on the field. So, um, yeah, it, it's a shame because I, I, I love the club. Olympic were great, as I said. Yeah. They looked after me, you know, Jim Mahaninus, my chiropractor, you know, he looked <laughs> after me. They were just great people there. And, um, yeah, I just was, it was disappointed in how it all ended. And it was a bit sad, really. But 98, you, you got your amateur status and, and then uh, went back to... Yeah, UOW and yeah. uh, under Danny McGoldrick and, and so that must have been great to then just sort of have that sort of release of on playing again and, and playing back at uni. Yeah, it was fun. And again, I, I'd moved out to West Apto, built a house out there. and So I didn't go and train as much as I needed. You know, I was still, <laughs> still working up in Campbelltown. Um, so, you know, I didn't have to train all the time and um, yeah, it was... A, it was nice. It was nice to be back there to repay, you know, Bano's faith in allowing yeah. me to leave and, and also to go and work under Danny, who was uh, a player that I'd played alongside. And, and so for you, uh, obviously, even um, I've seen it myself at, uh, at my club that even after, say, several years, the club does change. It evolves. Yeah. People move on. Um, you know, the, the furniture's not the same as yeah. when you left it and, and you'd left, I guess, in, in 90. Yeah. Um, so it had changed, but it was still enjoyable, but it wasn't the same. No, you know, you know those heart and souls of the clubs are reserve graders. They're probably yeah. the same guys there, but your first graders are, are different, and it was different. Um, we did okay. Um, again, late bloomers, and we went on a run, and we, I think we made the semis, but um, didn't quite get on any further. But, um, yeah, it was just... Dif- different expectations from myself, maybe from Fotho too, because we wanted, you know, we'd had a different way of doing things previously, and yep. I know he'd coached as well, and so, you know, uh, and, but Daniel was the coach, you know, yep. and so that's that's the hard part is, um, you know, going along with the way, and Daniel, was, he, he had to take care of the whole team and the whole club, yep. and so he had to do it a certain way, and um, it was, you know, it was enjoyable, and it was, it was a lot of fun. You can't beat a uni crowd. Um, because there's a lot of smart people in their crowd giving, <laughs> giving a lot of jobs. But, um, yeah, it just wasn't the same. So, um, yeah, got a phone call from someone else and moved on again. Yeah, it was Ian Golding, and, yeah. and he asked you to come down to Albion Park. And, and so what was your relationship with, with Ian? Yeah, well, Ian, uh, he, his son, Kristen, and I were the same age, and we played against each other in juniors for years. And then yep. he'd been involved with Lysarts, and he tried yeah. to get me to go to Lysarts a few times. And... And it would have been great. And, he's, and then he's, um, he got into co- they asked him to go to Albion Park and coach. And um, he you said, were do you want to that way? Well, he said, do you want to come down? I said, 
Yeah, okay. And uh, Jeff Allport was there. Um, Kristen was there. His older brother, Jared, was there. Um, it was good. It was uh, it was nice. To, I'd never played for that club before. You know, great club people in um, Frank Zammett and yeah. James Pickup and, yes, quality people again. And um, went out there and, uh, yeah, really enjoyed a pre-season and I lasted a little bit and then uh, <laughs> I got injured just outside here. <laughs> And, and yeah. so you're out for nine odd weeks, so oh, a um, long time, which you know is pretty much half the season. Yeah, it torn quad, and it was a nasty one too. You know, it popped and it burned, and you know, out here I think it was wet, and it was moving from wet to dry or dry to wet, and you know, long starts and something just stuck, and it just it went, and it went deluxe, and um, I was out for a very long time, a long time to get rehabilitated for that, and I was a PE teacher as well, so you know, you're moving about a lot, yeah, probably. Definitely. Re-injuring it often, but yeah, nine weeks out—it's a long, long time. And and the next year, um, I guess Albion Park had merged with with the Wollongong yeah. White Eagles to come out. Albion Park White Eagles, and and then you uh, moved out to Dapdale under David Spencer. Yeah, Dave. Well, he'd built a house out in West Dapdale as well, and he was out there coaching. And there weren't a lot of houses, so we could we could see each other, even though we weren't <laughs> neighbours. We could see each other's places, and uh, he just said, well, "You want to come play Dapdale? It's just down the road." I was like, "Yeah, why not?" Yep. And so I went out there and um, and played with Dave as he was coaching. And and Dapto at that time were they were they playing at the sports ground? No, I think or we were the showground. No, we're at the lodge. Yeah, the lodge, Canahooker yeah, Lodge. Yeah, the lodge. Yeah, oh, yeah. Just on the freeway yeah. there, because that, that that's a pretty small ground, and um, you know you got some horses around as well. Yeah, and... yeah, yeah. It's not the best surrounds, you know. You <laughs> you're gone from Brandon Park, <laughs> you know, and then a few years later you're down with the horses <laughs> at the lodge, but. Yeah, another great club, you know, um, Vic Iyera and um, Noel Sparks as well was there. Yeah, some, um, some great people. Yeah, involved and, and um, they just said, yeah, welcome me in. And Dave was a great coach as well and he was just starting out and have, uh, I think just helping out a club there. And so you had the year there, but then you went back to Albion Park Hawaii Eagles in 2001 and um, re- rejoined Peter Willis. Peter Willis. Yeah. And so it was a no-brainer when, when he, he gave you the call easy. based on what you know about yeah. him. Peter just said, you want to come down? Uh, and again, nothing to... Because we're Dapto. talking first division here. Yeah, first division, yeah, yeah. And, and nothing against Dapto. But yeah. when Peter Willis comes knocking and you've had that great relationship yeah, with definitely. him, you're going to go and play. And yeah, I, I signed up straight away. And, and that one, um, again, another strange year because they're, they're a great club. And, and I guess uh, you started off OK that year, but, but it fell away a little bit. And then, you know, as, as clubs are can do and will do sometimes, uh, they change the coach. So um, how did that change for, for you? Yeah, well, Kaiama were, were having a red-hot season that year. I don't think they lost a game. Yeah. And uh, we, we, we came close. I think we had a draw with them at one stage. I missed a one. Could have got one us a game, I think. Um, but um, we were doing OK, but not, not those expectations were there. They wouldn't have been Premier League. Yeah. Yeah? They did not want to be in first division. I get that. And we were off the pace. We weren't in those top two positions. And uh, yeah, got a call from Willie to say that um, when I was going to train in that evening, he wouldn't be the coach. <laughs> <laughs> and so turned up and, um, yeah, Phil Matthias was there. And, and uh, Phil obviously then um, has his own pedigree in the game in terms oh, of a player and yeah, as a coach. Yeah, quality, yeah. So it um, uh, wasn't, you know, a step down by any shape, oh, no shape or form, but... Uh, you went on to win the grand final, but didn't. Um, I, I don't know if they got promoted that year. No, I think it was no, the following year that yeah, they had. They the... didn't get promoted that year. Um, we weren't 
Yeah, I don't know, maybe third, fourth. Yeah. We might have finished, um, if that. Uh, but we d- definitely made the semis and um, yeah, Phil, great coach again. And great player. I played against Phil. Yeah. And uh, he was very, very good and, um, again, had a certain way of playing and he got us playing that way. And we went on a good run and, and won the grand final, uh, albeit by an own goal. But... Um, I remember talking to Jeff Orport afterwards. Going, this is right, mate. We won a grand final. It was an own goal. He goes, "When you win a grand final, <laughs> it doesn't matter how you win it." <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, good call." But um, yeah, that was that was another great year. I think I, I might have been the leading goal scorer for the the comp that year or something. So we had a good team. And and like you said, you you had uh, Robert Gigliotti, oh, Tony yeah. Gruevski, Jeff Orport, oh, Tony yeah. Donovan, um, Grant Newman. Like, yeah, he was quick, Grant, very Steve quick. Steve Mashevsky, so, yeah. you know, we're talking some quality players here. Yeah, no, that was a good, a really good squad, and that was probably why the club, you know, gave Peter the flick, because there was a good team there, and we just, we, but again, it's tough to, to get that, um, that team to gel. Yeah, you know, and, people, and the first division as well. Yeah, first division, again, you go to some different grounds, you come up against some teams who are happy to kick you off the park, or happy to you know, take away a draw and, you know, all that sort of stuff or just, you know, go some of the home grounds and they're tough and other times you're, you're playing against teams that you should beat and you don't for whatever reason. Um, but there was a couple of tough teams, like I said, Kayama, Tarawana in the grand final. Yeah, yeah there was some, still some good sides. <laughs> so the next year, obviously, White Eagles were a possibility in, in 2002 to play with them, but... Um, oh, I don't think they were interested, mate. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they weren't interested in you even though you'd scored some goals, which... I guess it's a bit weird, but you had a, you fielded a couple of other offers before ending up at Dapco. Yeah, well, Peter, I think, had gone back to Olympic and um, he was keen to get me back there. And, you know, that felt a bit strange, but I went along and trained a bit and I went and trained at Lysart's. good mate of mine, Shane Rayner, was out yep. playing there and uh, we worked together. And, yeah, and I was keen to train and be fit and went, well, if I, if I can score some goals in first division still, I'll probably be OK. I'll probably have a run in Premier League, but... Yeah, it just wasn't right there for... I think Peter still wanted me, but the committee... They changed at Olympic. It wasn't the same committee. Yep. But um, it wasn't... It wasn't... Um, it wasn't gelling, you know, the yep. conversations we were having. So I went, OK. And, and Lysart's, it was an interesting one. I remember training, training and training with them. And then we didn't see a lot of ball. I think we trained on the beach mostly. And then yep. a session was called and um, Robbie Perkin might have been coaching. And... I remember turning up to the Saturday session looking around and there wasn't any first graders and I uh, realised that I wasn't in the first grade plans and um, said, what's going on here? And he said, oh, well, you're going to have to earn it. I went, OK, no worries, um, I'll go. And I just rang up Higgsy, he was coaching at Dapto, yeah. rang Higgsy and said, oh, I'm keen to come for a kick around. And he said, yeah, sure, come down. So and, and that was first division and yeah. and, and you just had a... Even though it was a dominant Albion Park Wide oh. Eagle team that year in first division, well, they yeah. took it by storm. There might have been a good reason they didn't want me. They were <laughs> they were amazing. Geez, they smashed everybody, including us, and uh, put lots of goals past people. They were very very good, and um, I don't know who was coaching out there, but they were whether it was Phil or someone else. But they were they were outstanding, and we weren't. Well, I think we might have finished second because we got promoted, so yeah. we, must, we must have done okay with, yeah. with Higgsy. And, uh, again, look... Yeah, it was Jason as a coach, because oh. he's, he's a great player and, and people know him around the region, but, yeah. but, you know, he's also a good coach as well. Very good coach. And, uh, look, I played a lot against Jason, played with Jason. And uh, what as a coach, what he was very good at was working out people's strengths yep. and then asking people not to do beyond that. Yep. And even at training, you know, you wouldn't get cranky at someone stuffing up with a technique thing or a bad pass or whatever because, you know, at that when you get to that level of playing, yep. 
you know, you're either going to have those skills or you're not. And so you work on people's strengths. And so he never never got up anyone for that. He'd get up people for not putting effort in, yeah. absolutely, because he was a competitor. Um, and he pulled a good team around him, you know, as well. Um, there was some great guys who played in that team as well. And, um, yeah, we finished second and, and got promoted. And, and do you think it was strange? Because you then, um, I guess, uh, you spent the next two or three seasons... Um, at Dapdo and, and they were in the Premier League but I guess um, was there the sort of expectation that Jason would be there in 2003 yeah, from, well, from your perspective oh well, I thought so you know he'd done enough yeah. to get us promoted yeah. um, but I'm not on the committee yeah. and um, yeah they make those decisions and uh, who knows who and knows Stuart Beattie's a, oh, again, <laughs> a great again, replacement oh geez, uh, like I can understand that you go in a Premier League and you know they probably wanted some success yeah yeah um, so, yeah, Stuart Beattie, he was um, an outstanding coach and um, they probably wanted to not just maybe just stay up or go back down. Yeah. They wanted to be competitive. Yeah. Um, and I don't know why, I don't know how they spoke to Jason, delivered the news or whatever, but um, Jason wasn't there. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and Stuart was. Um, and, look, going to Premier League, I'd spoken to the club and, and I was happy to stay at Dapto. I went, right, I've, I'm done moving around. And yep. I'll stay at Dapto and whether that's... Whatever it is that I play, you know, and I assumed that I'd just be playing reserve grade. Yep. And again, happy to do that. I lived down the road. Um, I was putting a lot of work into um, into my career. Yeah. Uh, had a family by then. Um, I was happy to to you know play whatever part you're. Whatever asked whatever to. it is that they asked me to do. Yep. And so um, yeah, just turned up to training and and trained. And um, it was a pretty good year for a team oh, that's come up. Geez. Um, so I think look. To be fair, uh, although the playing ranks might have changed, oh, they changed. Yep. They changed a lot, and, and it was probably myself and only a couple of others who, who um, were able to move from say what thinking they'd be in reserve grade to yep. being in first grade. Um, in saying that, I mean reserve grade was pretty good, yeah. yeah. Um, but we did attract, and, and maybe that Stewart he attracted a lot of players, um, right from you know Christian Preto in goals all the way up yeah. to people like Colin Walker in goals and. And I got my mate Shane Rayner to come out and play too, so that was good. And um, I don't know, we had a great team. Really yeah, great Paulie team. Robard, you know, um, like you said. Uh, oh, you, Paul, yeah, Paul came. And Robbie Davies. had ice. Oh, um, yeah, ice. You know, just Phil Saunders, Ben yeah. Bartlett. Uh, oh, there, there's some great Tony players. Tony Donovan, you know, some, oh, some excellent players. So yeah. there's, there's a reason why you finished second in the league. Yeah, but it took a little while to get going because not everyone came at the start of the year. <laughs> you know, so... Um, yeah, I think, and our first game, funnily enough, of the season was against Wollongong Olympic, um, and I think we had a draw, and it was at the Lodge, um, and I look, I loved playing at the Lodge, it was great, yeah. and um, enjoyed it. A smaller venue? Yeah, yeah. to most grounds? Yeah, absolutely, and um, you know, you could drive your car up, <laughs> watch the game from your car. Um, yeah, it was great, uh, and Stuart, look, again... I'm, You've, all the names we've talked about in my, in, that yeah. I've played with, uh, been under with coaches. Yeah, lucky. You've been a very lucky man. Oh, he, he is outstanding. And he, he knew my capabilities. He knew that I was getting older and injured and probably didn't have the legs that I had before. And I was in my early 30s, I think. Yeah. And, and so he, he worked out. And, but again, opposite to Peter, Peter trained you for a long time. Stuart, we didn't train more than an hour. You know, it was short and sharp. And that, you know, obviously he warmed up and then it was yep. an hour. Bang, bang, and see you later. And so that worked for so many of us. And, um, yeah, again, we went on a great run that year. Um, you know, I got to play with some great guys there. 
you know, playing up front with Colin Walker. Geez. Yeah, what a talent. One of the most talented players I've, I've seen. You know, there's people out, you know, Minio Bonatic's the best I've ever seen locally, but Colin just, his was um, an athletic ability. No matter what sport he would have played, he would have been outstanding. Yeah. And he was great to play up front with. And I got to do a lot of, in that role, um, using my voice <laughs> a lot, <laughs> rather than doing a lot of running. Uh, well, I still probably ran a fair bit, but just it was more like a coach on the field with Colin. And that was a lot of fun. And do you think Stuart identified that? And yeah, maybe I reckon. Yep. Yeah, we, he, he he didn't disclose too much of that. You know, I remember asking once, even just that year, how, how did this all work out? Stuart, and he goes, I don't know, Moz. It just it was like a, you know, it was like a juggernaut. I just held on, <laughs> just, <laughs> and we enjoyed the ride. But you know, he's he's playing it down there because he had a lot to. Obviously, he was key to that. Yeah, and definitely. He, he was outstanding. And. Um, and he attracted those players who were all... Yeah, Steve Krishner as well, Shane Wilkshire and... Yeah. Oh, and it's like a... James Rory. You know, so there's a lot of Yeah, it's a, it's a money ball thing, isn't it? You, know, yeah. you watch that movie, that's what yeah, Stewart's yeah. done there. He's gone and picked the blokes that are going to play for whatever Dapto can offer him. Yeah. And um, people in right positions. And he did that well. Uh, and great, great team. And, and the grand final, although losing to, to Paul Kemba... Yeah, um, and and they were a red hot side as well. Yeah, classy, yep. all over the park, and you know I think was that a Wynn Stadium? Yeah, Wynn Stadium, yeah. and you know I think I could be wrong here, but I think someone like Matty Bailey was. I think he was on the bench, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they might have been going okay that team, that poor <laughs> team. But it was close. It was only one nil, and you know um, I had a chance to equalise again near the end. There, Wilkie's knocked it back to me, and I just yeah I put it over the bar. So, uh, but yeah, good. A good time, um, tough game. You know that Port defence. You got Trothy back there as well, yeah. defending. Because um, always, oh well. yeah, Andrew Timms. You know, yeah. just they were you know, they were quality. You know, um, Gary Newell. Yeah, yeah, Gary Newell. <laughs> he scored the goal. It's, it's a red hot defence. Yeah, you know, you're in midfield you had Minio and Shorty. And, you know. Pulling the strings. Was it great to, to pull on the boots at, at Wynn Stadium? Oh, Wynn Stadium for sure. Yeah. Um, not used to playing on that sort of surface, yeah, and a funny type surface, flat, you know, which we're not used to out at the lodge, um, and, you know, a night as well. Um, yeah, had a funny, funny sort of feel to it, but we were always in the game. We just, just couldn't get that goal, and, you know, they shut us down well, you know, that, that back four of theirs against Colin and I. And yeah, two quality coaches uh, going oh, head-to-head yeah, as well. Yeah, they were yeah, two good, good, two good mates, you know, <laughs> going against each other. And, um, yeah, it would have been nice to get the win for Stuart because he'd done so much for us that year. Um, and we had some, you know, great wins, even to get us into those. Like, Kemble Warrior, a good team then yeah. too. You know, um, yeah, with Mitchell Blows and guys. Like, I coached Mitch as a young kid. He was a, in one of my – I coached a rep team. <laughs> All those years ago with him and Shane's brother Luke was in the team yeah. and Brett Fleming and stuff. So, yeah, good good kids. But, um, yeah, there were some quality teams around still at that, that stage. That Kem Lavora team were red hot and, and Port were very good. And, and, you know, I think we surprised everyone that year, including ourselves probably. And and the next year, you're third in, in the league with Dapto again in 2004. So, um, you know... Uh, you retired at the end of that season. Or? Yeah, the end of that one I did. Yeah, we were we, we did all right again. I think Alvin Checkley had come and played with us as well. He's uh, he, I forgot to mention him. I think uh, yeah, Alvin had joined us. You know, one of those you know national league players that come back. I think it might have been A League back then. Yeah. You know, he was A League. Like he'd come and play with a us. Crossover well. there. Wasn't oh, it was it? brilliant to have someone like him in the team as well. And our squad had remained the same. There's a couple of newbies, a couple of left. You know that sort of thing. But we made the semis. Um, 
and yeah, I was going to call it quits. I'd had enough, you know, arthritis and old age and all that sort of stuff. And and I think we were winning one 0 maybe against Connor when, in the semi, and we're pretty we're pretty comfortable, I think. And then um, I think both Colin and I, I think we'd been subbed, you know, so both <laughs> his strikers are off, and and then they equalised, and I think yeah, we lost. <laughs> So I felt like Blocker Roach and Ciro sitting on the bench. <laughs> and afterwards, I think Christian Preto said to me, Moz, you can't go out like this. And that's what I've said I'm going to do. So, yeah, I stopped. I stopped yeah, it's playing. not always a fairy tale. No, no. So there I was sitting on the bench out here again. Uh, Bally. Uh, just, you know, not, not, not the best stomping ground uh, or happy hunting ground. But, um, yeah, I, I ended up playing the next year, though. I, I went back. I, I didn't do pre-season. I didn't even start the season. I went back. Was this sort of in your head that, oh... Maybe, maybe I still want it a little bit. Or, oh, or yeah, thought, definitely. No, no, I was keen comfortable? to play. No, I was keen to play. Yeah. But again, injuries and all that sort okay. of stuff. Uh, work, you know, two kids, um, and still working up in Campbelltown and you know in leadership roles, doing things. So, yeah, it's not a lot of time there. And so I just went no. And then, you know, Stuart was good. He, he didn't hassle me at all. We only live, yeah. Again, we live around the corner from each other, so <laughs> he wasn't hassling me. Um, but Phil Saunders definitely was. He was ripping into me and so I um <laughs> I ended up coming back and training and and then finally you know sitting on the bench a bit and then getting a start and and that was most of that season was you know fresh reserve or whatever Just playing or, playing or a role. yeah because I think you know he had Colin up front he had Jay Lucas as well yep. you know quality strike force there and you know you know in the end it was funny in the end um Darren Gardner was playing and he got sent off like just before the semis and Stuart looked around and said you know, you're happy to play midfield? And I just went, I'll play anywhere you like, you know. And so <laughs> I got to sit in midfield probably just behind those two as an attacking force. And we went through the semis. Yeah, great semi-final run and, oh, and penalties. And everything was won on penalties, I think. Like, And, yeah, that was some, you know, Preto in goals was amazing. And we scored a few goals as well. Um, but, that was, yeah, I think, I'm trying to think, we played... Dan Deloop in one of those, yep. beat him in the in, in the semis. We beat maybe Cono in one of the others, and and then we beat Tara to make it to the uh, the grand final against Picton. So I think it was like sixth versus eighth or something like that. Like <laughs> I don't think it, the, the uh, maybe maybe it did work out their top eight, but it was the sixth. I think we were sixth and they were eighth. So you weren't getting the two best teams in the league <laughs> playing in the grand final. And what, and what do you remember of that game? Uh, they outplayed us. Yep. Um, so Again, the likes of David Reid and, oh, and yeah, Brad Boardman, Colin Luff. Yep. Um, they were quality. Yep. Yeah, they were outstanding. Um, and I think they scored two goals in the first half. And you know, once you do that, you can park the bus. And yeah. And we struggled to get get the goals. Um, uh, and but you know, Norm, Norm Boardman, another great coach. Um, yeah, we were just outplayed, and I, we tried. We, the effort was there, but they were just too good for us. And the next year, you then um, became player coach at Kiama. So how did that come about yeah, and, and what a season it was? So um, Shane Gallagher, I don't know if you know Shane down at Kiama, great man. And um, he, uh, he was mates with Stuart, mates with Norm yeah. Boardman and stuff. And he knew I lived in Jeringong because uh, I'd moved down there yeah. for work at Vincenia High School. Then I'd, I'd got a promotion to go down there and my wife and I, we split the driving, so we moved to somewhere in the middle, which was Jeringong. You know, we didn't know anyone there, but um, we're still there now. But that's where we ended up, and I went to work at Vincentia High, and she travelled back up to Tapto. <laughs> um, and Shane said, "You want to come and coach, be player coach?" 
or play, you know, coach or play, whatever you want to do, really. And um, and he was speaking on behalf of the committee yeah. down there. And so I went and met with the committee. Uh, I, I just I think it was done after the season had finished. I, the, we were talking about it, and I'd spoken to Stuart about it. Yep. And um, I think I'd even had some sort of brief conversation with Frank Salmon at, at uh, the White Eagles about coaching yep. and stuff too, um, which sort of never eventuated. Uh, but Kayama said, do you want to come, come along? And... And, you know, I was talking to Stuart about it. I really wanted Stuart to say, no, I want you to stay that day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because you want your ego boosted yeah, up a bit. Definitely. And Stuart said, I think you should go and coach. <laughs> <laughs> and so I went, right, yeah. And so I did and uh, met the committee. And uh, and I, I, to be truthful, I, I didn't do a, a huge amount of recruiting there. Yep. Shane Gallagher was very good at that. Um, I, like Fodo, I, I brought a couple of kids from school yep. with me as well, uh, uh, Dale, Dale Russell, Dale Russell, and um, Dave Hampton, and Leon Wooden. They came up from Vincennia High, wow. which was nice. Um, I tried to get Corey Ryan. Um, he was a great player. He's a PE teacher down at Vinnie High now. I tried to get him to come. He'd just gone to, he just moved up to ACPE to study yep. PE teaching, and I tried to get him to come. He's a great player. Didn't work. I had um, some connections with um, Dan Delu with Darrell Waller, yeah. and he was able to give me some players from there too. And um, and uh, most of the Kiama lads were there as well. They were, they were, they were tried and true Kiama kids. A good young group. And, and then a couple of older guys as well, and Brad Page and Richard Estoney were there, uh, myself. And then I asked Fodder to come down and be my assistant coach, which was great. They had a great reserve, great coach in Ian Rankin. Um, just a, another Kiama guy through and through. And um, now coaches has had great success with the young kids. I even coached my, my youngest daughter uh, for Southern uh, down in Nara. Um and Dave Rowe was a youth grade coach, and um, and then Fotho, Fotho came along, and Fotho brought a goalkeeper with him called Brad Hunter. Yeah. And um, yeah, suddenly we had this team that was looking pretty good on paper, uh, which was great, and it was a it was really good, great club. And yeah, the Warriors are. Yeah, and we trained as a as a club, so we all trained together. Because and was I'm, that a deliberate decision? By absolutely. You? Yeah, yep. yeah. So because I want, if I was player coach, then I needed to be fit as well. Yeah. And so even in pre-season, the pre-seasons were a little bit different. So we would all do the same fitness activities, but I'd break it up into the youth grade guys yep. together, um, then the sort of reserve grade adult type guys, yep. and and first grade players who were who were fit. Yep. And then there was the old fellas, like myself and Paige and Richard, you know, and we'd, we'd do our fitness stuff in another group. But there was Mick Gillespie, who was older than all of us, but he trained with the youth grade, great as he was that fit. And uh, we broke that up. But as a, as a club throughout the year, we trained as a club. And uh, that was so each of us took training sessions. So I yeah. would take a session, Fodo would take one, Ranko would take one, Rowie would take one. And um, we trained all together. And we had a philosophy and... Yeah, it didn't start out that great. Like, we won our first game against uni. We beat yeah. them. Uh, and then we had a couple of losses um, to Bally yeah. and to Berkeley. And uh, I was still... I'd still had the captain's armband on at that stage because I didn't know who the team was going to be. Um, and it's, it ended up... I went, right, I need to lose that captain's armband. I know who's going to be in the team. And so Brad, Brad Page got that. Yeah. But we had a great defence. We had Mitch Grant. who he came back a bit later, Mitch. Really good player. Um, Blake Coates had come and played with us he'd been a Vinnie High boy too and some other guys who'd been up at Dandaloo um, Justin Butler and Josh Rooney Ben, ben Benny Walden um, really good players um, and then we had the Kiama guys Brad and Matt Gallagher um, Chris Brand had come up from the Shoalhaven area too he was a Kiama guy and he was striker with me 
Um, and yeah, Mick Gillespie um, in midfield and Richard Estoney, as I said, uh, and then a, you know Coatsy and Josh Rooney. It was uh, we played sort of a three-five-two really. And when, and when did you know? Because you ended up winning the league quite comfortably. Oh yeah. So when did you know that um, that it was going to be a, a successful year? Was it? Oh, not not that not early. I can tell you because we had two losses. Yeah. Um, you know, tough teams in there. Balambi were good at that stage. I think Winuna, Wollongong yeah. Olympic were in first division. Um, there was some going to be some tough games. So what? It, we ended up winning 13 in a row, I think. Yeah. Went on a good run. extraordinary run. And it only ended because of basically injuries. Chris Brandt got injured, I got injured. Mitch Grant was injured, I think. Matt Gallagher had gone to the World Cup in, in, <laughs> in Germany. You know, we lost players and we ended up, the, the end, the end uh, came there. But it was probably about, I would have said mid, mid, mid through, midway through the year, yep. I went, we're on to something good here. But that was, you know, again... We had a great team of coaches around us. We had um, good players, but even then, you've got to be open to some of those players and what they believe. Yeah. And I remember I had a left, two left-sided guys in, in Blake Coates and Josh Rooney, and whichever way I had them playing, one was sort of more on the on the sideline, one was in close. And and I just remember them coming to me one day and said, "Moz, do you think we can just swap positions? Yeah. We just feel more comfortable." I just went, "Sure." <laughs> okay, let's let's have a go. And bang, what a decision! Though. And and that was brilliant because it just freed both of them up. They felt far more comfortable. And suddenly we yeah we went on a roll. And it was based around real strong defence, which most of those coaches that I'd had yeah, were based on not kicking people off the park, but knowing that from the, the get go, the get go, you were yeah. going to defend strongly. And then you know we had good good midfielders and, and obviously Chris Brand was a great striker and I could help out. And we we did all right scoring the goals too. And so, uh, like you said, yeah, it didn't end up, uh, I guess, uh, being what it was in the semi-finals. But to win the league for me is the more important thing. So you must have been pretty happy as a as a coaching group because it seemed like it wasn't just you as the figurehead. It was there was four of you, and it was yeah. a real club we, and the committee guys as well. It must have been a great feeling. Yeah, I, I think so. And you know, because we were we were a long way in front um, of anyone else, and. And again, that's not just about who, you know, because I think we'd lost both times to Berkeley and you know, obviously lost to Bally. I think we lost to Highlands. There's another yeah. group. They played the grand, they might have won the grand final that year. Yeah. They were very good. You know, you're playing against it. So it's about your results each time you play one of those teams and then they've got to play each other. Yeah. You know, so you're just hoping, you know, sometimes <laughs> you're just hoping that, you know, you look at this draw and you go, great, we should win and maybe there's a draw with one team's going to lose yeah. and you go, oh, awesome. And you can start getting some hypotheticals there and then. Yeah, we just kept kicked on, and in the end, we, we, we won it pretty easily. Um, could have been a good thing, could have been a bad thing for going into the semis, but um, you know, was, a lot of us were limping in there. A lot of players you know, as, weren't available. But the coaches were great. They were really good people to have follow on the sideline, yeah. pulling the strings you, you know, um, with subs and things like that. It was great. And... and um, and just him and I, Ranko's a really quietly spoken guy, and, and Dave Rose the same. We just didn't... I remember the guys at one half-time, I think it was at Coromel, and we'd given our directions and what we wanted, instructions. And they're just sitting there waiting for us. And I said, look, I can give you lots of cliches, but that's not what we're after you. We just... This is what we're asking well, you to do. Yeah. This is what we need you to do. You can get up and warm up. You can do whatever you like. But we're, we, you know, the ref's going to take another five minutes. Well, we've got five minutes to just sit here and be quiet. But we, we didn't... We didn't shout and jump up and down, we yell and scream or any of that sort of stuff. There was none of that motivation type thing. It was just, it was mostly tactical. And at the end of that year, 
like uh, it's been throughout your career that you made the decision about, I guess, uh, family and, and your work and, and what was ultimately good for you, but it was it still, a, I guess, a difficult decision to sort of not continue on with it? Oh, definitely, because it's such a, a good club, Koyama. Like, yeah. There's great clubmen there, good players. There's one guy, um, you know, Scott Schofield, really funny guy, and when we won the league that, that night, we were out obviously having a good time, and I get this phone call from this number on my phone, and I answer, and, and oh, it's Marty Haynes from I-98. <laughs> oh, wow, OK, I better try and you know, act sober here. And he wants, <laughs> we're going to be on the show tomorrow, I want to ask you a few questions, but yeah, no drums, I'm going through it all. And then suddenly, I'm, it's not until you look up, and there's a crowd around you, and they've got you going. Scott Schofield, he's <laughs> rung me from another phone somewhere, and I was giving him the greatest interview. So you, you miss that sort of stuff, yeah, when you're not yeah, coaching. Yeah. But I just remember I was injured, and, and um, Father used to sit on the bench, but when I was coaching, I, I liked to sit up in the stand and watch the game. And I just remember looking up, and my wife's there, and my parents were there too, and on the other side of the field, my kids. Kids are running off doing whatever they like, <laughs> not interested in, in soccer. And I went, I can't keep coaching when my kids are going to have to come and do this. Not, yeah. you know, it's just not right for the family. So I still remember, because I was keen, I was very keen to coach in Premier League. You yeah. know, I'd, I'd want to write a few wrongs. I had yeah. <laughs> some scores to settle. <laughs> um, you know, and prove a few people wrong. But... Uh, in the end, family comes first. And, yeah. you know, and again, I'd ask Father to come with me. We had this good team of people around us. The committee worked hard for the club. And so I gave him plenty of notice. The season was still, yeah. we were still playing. And I said, I know we've been promoted or, or we're a chance because we yeah. won the league. I said, but you need, to, you need to start searching for a coach. I said, because it won't be me. And they said, what about playing? I said, I won't be playing either. So, <laughs> yeah, I gave it up. And you had a year off in 2007, but then, um, you know, you then got yourself involved in a football or soccer sense with, with Gerringong? Well, yeah, I, I live locally and um, I knew they had a club there. Um, but it's a weekend thing again and I, didn't want, I wanted to free up my weekends. Yeah. But um, Ronnie Davison, he's another school teacher, he's a um, head teacher um, of his year, H, Human Society and Environment yeah. at Lake Illawarra High School. And he says to me, he saw me at the pool at Kiama one day. He goes, you want to come play over 35s? I said, oh, no, it's, it's too hard on the weekends. He goes, no, no, we play Thursday nights wow. in the Shoalhaven comp. And I went, all oh, right, this sounds good. And so um, and the, one of the guys I worked with, Craig Harrison, he asked me to go along as well. He, 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 was, he was more of a football player, but he played. There was Larry Berenger was there. Yeah. You know, Mick Kirk and Paul Kirk, who I'd played with at Olympic as well, and they were at Kiama Boys and... Went along, you know, Darren Longbottom was there uh, as well, another great player. Um, so, and, um, yeah, good team. Larry Bandra, I think I said already. Like, it, it was an interesting make-up. But there's those guys, and then there's guys who make their debut at 42. You know, never, <laughs> never kicked the ball in their life. And we went on and played, um, yeah, over 35s on a Thursday night in the Shalom Comp, and we, and we won the league that year. Um, lost the grand final. Um, again, our striker didn't play very well. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it can't always be. They can't always be relying on the strikers. But that was fun because we we made champions of champions. Like a, again, to you know, be whatever it was at that age, seven or something stupid, and you're playing. But then you go and play, and you play a few guys. I mean, we won a few games too, bizarrely. Like we beat some teams, and then I think it must have been the quarters or something like that. We come up against um, Alex Tobin and a whole lot of other ex internationals, <laughs> and they gave us a towel up. Um, but we, we decided to park the bus and we said, yeah, if they're outside the box, they can shoot. Well, they did, and they, they shot four times outside the box and they were all, all top corner. <laughs> so they beat us handsomely. Uh, yeah. 
So you were playing over 35s for a period of time, but then in 2012 you, you played first grade in, in Shellhaven First Division, and, and was that in with Gerringong? Yeah, it was in, with Gerringong. Because people, were, if they're not aware, the Shellhaven have their own they do, competition. Yeah, yeah and, stretches and, down Ulladulla. Yeah. yeah, Milton are in, in, that, in that comp. Huskisson, Manana, you know, some... Kalbara. Kalbara, yeah. yeah. We, uh, um, you know, Illaroo, Illaroo, Illaroo were a team. Uh, Bombardieri, uh, Shalhaven Heads, big rivalry between Shalhaven Heads and Gerringong. And um, Andy Lockhart, um, they're Gerringong locals, the Lockhards and Jason. I don't think Joel was, Joel was still playing up in Yillawarra, but um, they were playing. There's a guy called Gary Vian, great player too, and he'd been at Clamber before, and he, they were all coming back to, to Gerringong, I suppose, and they had a decent team, and, and he said, we need a striker. But I'd been... I'd been overseas or going overseas with yep. the kids for they were dancing overseas yep. and one of those dance trips that we went on and um, I just said I can't play you know it's the start of the season I'm going to miss it and uh, when I got back they said come and play so <laughs> I did and uh, you know I was 40 and uh, we ended up again it was a slow start um, but we we got there and I think we might have finished second behind Bombardieri maybe and um, but we made the grand final. And and like you said, um, when you and this was first grade, but but elsewhere when you're playing over 35s, you get a mix of blokes that have oh. played the game and some haven't, and yeah. then it's more, I guess, community oriented. Oh, so brilliant. so that must be a sort of like I guess a ha- happy part of or ending to your career in the sense that you're around, I guess, community people. Oh yeah, fantastic! And I got to um, you know win a grand final early on with, with uni and then, yeah. you know, one, one later. And I played in a few grand finals. But going back to Gerringong and playing for the club and then the community and then playing against other towns, it has <laughs> a great feel. And so when there's that um, sort of banter with the crowd, it's it's pretty serious banter because they really <laughs> don't like you <laughs> and they really want you to... And they're going to, you know, run you out of town uh, if you beat them. Uh, so it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Hard work for a forty-year-old to be running around out there, but um, and again in first grade down there you had no interchange, um, so you were playing. But Craig Farquhar, the coach, was great. If we were winning by a bit, he'd yeah. sub me off. <laughs> Even when I was on a hat trick or something, I'd be pretty filthy. And somehow I could have scored three goals. He'd say you're off, and you know he was good. He looked after Smash me. It. Yeah, uh, you finished in two thousand and fourteen, and and haven't done anything since. Um, you know, you're pretty happy with with the career you had, because going through it here, it, it's extremely fascinating, and you couldn't have, I guess, planned it if you tried. Oh, no, and, there was and, no planning, ever. But what is a consistent theme that I've noted is the um, the coaches that you've had. Really, really, there's some different coaches there, but all of them are, are, are really good quality, and, and obviously... For whatever reason, when you did coach a Kiama, you know, maybe a lot of things went right with, you know, the recruitment that was done by other people and then you had a coaching staff, but it must have been uh, nice to sort of put some of their ideas and then oh, put them into your own. Yeah, and that was great because I did have so many wonderful coaches, yeah. even as I said in the juniors and then right through the, the senior level. Geez, I was blessed to be coached by yeah. some of the key, key coaches in Illawarra, really really fortunate and to all have different takes and and you do you take a bit of their stuff and you know or, or you you know you use your own or you copy theirs completely because it, <laughs> it was brilliant but also at that time you know um there's access to so much on on the web yeah and so you know there were some coaching things that i looked into on different methods and stuff and but having someone like Fotho there i'd set up the session or even one of the other guys 
we'd set it up the way we wanted it and we'd go through it and then in the middle of it, he'd be running out there just moving the markers just slightly. Oh, okay, this works much better this way, you know. And to have someone of that level, and that helped us out greatly. And, you know, I'm really indebted to all those coaches and people like Follow um, throughout my whole soccer um, journey. And even down to Jeringong where, um, you know, we ended up winning the grand final and um, that was great for the club and... and, um, they were now moved up into the Illawarra Club yeah, and, and, and really and committed to that. At some point in time, they'll, they'll probably be in the district league. Yeah, potentially. And they're, you know, and they're trying to attract some players. And again, it's difficult if you're not paying people and that. But um, really positive energy from the juniors through to yeah. the seniors. But um, you know, back to the Illawarra, again, I was just really fortunate to, to go to clubs where there were great people. And, and they're, they're at every club, aren't they? So, yeah. um, you know, you're going to get, doesn't matter where you're going to go, you're going to get those. But the coaches, wow. Um, when you look back, you just go, how lucky am I to have been coached by, by some of those guys? Um, even if I didn't like some of their decisions, um, I was really very, very fortunate to have people like, you know, um, Stuart, Peter, Fonny, yeah. um, John Fleming, yeah. you know, right up to David Ratcliffe. And um, even Brian initially as Oh, well. Brian Midgley, uh, you know, again, who really understood the local game and at that level, uh, and to get the best out of a couple of young guys in Anthony and myself, but all those old heads... Um, Yes, really fortunate. And your body's taken a beating and, and you're looking reasonably healthy. Um, <laughs> but like you said in your, in, your, in your notes that you sent through, you know, there was some support staff there across a couple of oh, yeah. three, two or three clubs that really helped you sort of through oh, and you would have spent a bit of time with them. Oh, with, yeah, and I did as a player. I was often, you know, first one at training, not to train but to be, you know, to worked on in terms of to get fit. Spent a lot of time with Jim Mahan at his chiropractic <laughs> clinic. Um, you know, Ray Siggy at Wollongong Olympic, um, Joe Anone at, at Dapto. Yeah. In the end, at Dapto, he, Joe probably had the toughest gig because I think he was strapping a shoulder, uh, two ankles and a knee, <laughs> and then anything else at you know, those stages, it was tough and um, it was fortunate um, to keep me on the pitch uh, because, it, you know, to play at those levels, it's pretty tough. Um, you, those defenders are out to, to get yeah, you no matter what. Yeah, they know um, what you're capable of. <laughs> uh, and so that, and yeah, you pay for it now. You do. You, you know, yeah. when you when you're getting up in the morning, it's tough. And um, you know, we try and walk my wife and I most mornings. And you know, I got into my running as well um, later on. I did a couple of marathons yep. after I finished playing because I just wanted to exercise and no better exercise than going out and running all the time and yeah. that was fun too but uh, yeah those people if it wasn't for those guys I wouldn't have been able you know Pat Brown at the, the Wolves yeah. and I was a constant on the treatment table there and I know David used to get frustrated <laughs> with me and he'd say yeah, you're right to play and I'd be looking at you know Pat and Pat would be looking at me and I'd just go it's, you know it was tough because yeah it was just just those injuries that you know that are gonna, they're niggling ones those yeah. soft tissue ones yep. they, you're, just, you're just waiting for them to go again so it's difficult to make those decisions. But, um, yeah, very, very thankful for those guys that uh, helped me out. And if we look at the, the football canvas in, in sort of finishing up the interview, mm-hmm. that, you know, you've had a, a very good career and, and a varied one at that, but I guess the constant through there is, is the family. You even spoke of it at your time there at Kiama and I'm sure at Jeringong as well they've continued to support, but your parents and, and your partner and your kids, yeah. it, it must be wonderful to... You know, it is a passion, our sport, or yeah. any sport that you play for for over three or four decades. So you must be pretty grateful that oh, they've absolutely. been a huge part of it and what they've given you and what they've supported you. Yeah, two, two older sisters who, um, you know, came and supported me when I was younger, probably had no choice. Um, <laughs> and then right through to obviously my wife just being by your side through all these 
things and, and some yeah. pretty crazy injuries and operations and stuff. Uh, and then your own kids and, and my youngest took up the game and, and had a kick, which was lovely. You know, I've got two two daughters. Um, my oldest, yeah, not so much. She um, she played league tag last year for Jeringong, <laughs> and I think she's coerced the younger one to move on from soccer to um, to league. But um, you know, without them supporting you along the way, you don't get to go no. and have those fun times with with not just the playing, but those off-field experiences as well, that bonding that you get, those connections that you make. There was some really good good people that, you know, you don't always be in contact with. Um, and certainly, like, my closest mate is out of soccer, really, so from when we were kids. He did come along for a little bit to help us out when we had no players when we were younger. Steve Delesky, great man as well. Um, but, you know, with Lee uh, Smith, it really just keeps us connected. Yeah, Lee and Fotho. And yeah, and, and Fotho, we play, you know, we didn't get to do it last year because of COVID, but we play a game of golf every year. <laughs> you know, he dropped into work uh, down at Bombardier when he was on the way to a training course one day to see me, which was nice. And, um, you know, all those experiences for me in soccer have been able to to be taken into into teaching and, and now, um, I suppose, in my leadership role as a principal, you know. So, um, you know, those life lessons you learn, you get to hopefully help out other kids along the way now. And, of course, your, your mum and dad who sort of started oh, it all off because geez. you're, apart from, like you said, and you know it's been a, a Roosters fan in, in the NRL, <laughs> yeah. you, you may have, you know, ended up in playing league if, if they, you know, didn't have their passion for the game. Yeah, and that's right, they did, and, and they loved the game, and my dad in particular. And, and when I was playing seniors in particular, um, you know, it, obviously there's a general part of the field that I'm going to be as a striker and he was often around and you know I remember going I'd celebrate a goal by going to shake his hand if he was there and stuff you know (laughs) it was just really cool and again he was uh, a guy who never said much and he just watched and nod and and if he did say something he listened because it was generally right Um, but they they let me play wherever I wanted to play but I had to make those decisions I had to go and tell the people who I was not going to play for, or I was going to, like, I had to do all that myself, even as a kid. Itself, yeah, absolutely. It? So they did, and my dad never came to any of those. Yep. But my mum drove me there, but my dad never, he said, you're on your own. And, and um, yeah, I made all those decisions myself. And, and they wouldn't have had any knowledge about contracts and things like that, but they didn't mind where I played, you know. They were, but I had to make the decision, and, and I had to do it. And it was great life lessons. And, and again, they put the effort in, and I, I do that for my own kids now. You drive them wherever they need to go, yeah. don't you? And and that's what they did to the best of their ability, you know. And yeah, they definitely. couldn't, you know. We, dad was a shift worker, mum. We were at home, um, we were out in the boom docks, really, back in the seventies yeah. and eighties, which was windang, you know. And they, poor public transport. I used to ride my bike to uni, you know, because public wow. transport was so poor, um, you know, for them to be involved all the way. And as I spoke, to, mum and I went to breakfast. Uh, on the weekend, and we were chatting about it, you know. So it was good because um, she got to reminisce about the, you know, the time that she had in the game. And and again, she just wanted to keep people honest. Uh, <laughs> uh, and that's, I think that was her motivation for getting into those sort of leadership roles as well. It's because things aren't always done, even at the junior no. level, done yeah, definitely. with the best. In, you know, they might be done with the best intentions, but they're not done with integrity often. And so she was keen for that. And I'm very fortunate to have had those those guiding that guidance from my parents, um, yeah. but also that independence to go and make your own decisions and to live and die by those. <laughs> Whether they're good or bad, <laughs> they were going to be your decisions. Yeah, so it, it, it's certainly grateful for them. And my wife's been there the whole time. It's our 25th wedding anniversary this year, so she's been there for for majority of this. Well, I'm hoping there is plenty more anniversaries and, and sort of non-football ones and, <laughs> and there's more time there with yeah. the kids and her. And, and I'm extremely 
um, grateful myself that you could give up all this time uh, on, on your holidays and, and it's been fascinating and wonderful and I think people that listen will, will get a, a whole range of uh, sort of facts and history that, that you've been involved in and it's been great, Ian. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you. And uh, I suppose what people need to understand too is this is all remembered through my lens. Yeah, and, yeah uh, definitely. And there might be a whole lot of inaccuracies in there and different <laughs> versions of events, but uh, it's the way I remember it. And you always want to remember it fondly and you always want to remember yeah. it that you made right decisions, whether you did or not. And uh, again, I thank you for your time and because this is wonderful to uh, reminisce and uh, the time's flown by. And... Uh, I'm grateful that uh, you've been able to do this for us in the footballer community because I, I don't always stay connected and, and it's been able to give me that uh, ability. Oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm happy and, and grateful and very flattered and, and appreciate your time. Cheers, mate. Thanks, Thank Anne. you. Thanks again for listening and downloading episode 58. I sincerely appreciate it. Once again, I'd like to sincerely thank Ian for the time he spent examining his journey in the game. I am your host, Travis. Goodbye for now.